everyone through the film vault Saturday. I'm Brother Bishop, your host for today. Top five films that don't pass the Bechdel test. We'll talk a lot more about what that is. We've alluded to it in uh, episodes past. Basically, uh, female representation on screen. And we will get into that in a moment. Anderson, how's everything going? Things are fine, Bri Bri. Yeah. However, wow. however, the theater is my temple. And my uh, religious rights are, uh, are, are, are not being met, Brian. I'm very oh, angry. That's a good point, actually. I'm very you, upset. You worship film. I do. All right? I, I worship the uh, silver screen over there. And uh, those that love their Jesus and, uh, and, uh, and other versions of the old and new book are allowed to go congregate in their little uh, houses of worship. I can't go down to my local uh, multiplex and, and watch things on the big screen. And uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that's correct. I, I think it shouldn't be about uh, what we're staring at. It should be about who we're standing with. You know what I mean? Well put. We're being deprived of our of our of our God given right to, uh, to to watch film. I saw this coming for a while because I, I knew that the last two things that were going to come back were going to be the two things that I missed the most, uh, which is uh, the gym. Which I know sounds kind of douchey, but it's true. I, I need my gym. I need to go in there, and it's like on my, my my meditation. I I just put my I turn my brain off. I turn Bill Burr on, and I and I just wail on my pecs, Brian, and it's really good for my brain. Is that what we do before this show? You turn your brain off. Yeah, yeah. When I know I'm dealing with the with the bri bri over there, and then uh, obviously the, the the movies, you know, like uh, collectively dreaming with uh, with others in, in a dark room at least once a week. I would do that for not only for this show but for my own well being. And I miss it. I miss it terribly. I don't know why you're so silent. I, thought, I don't I thought know why that, you would have to be you, so silent. When you when you uh, came out with um, two things you missed most, I thought it was going to be movies and hockey. I mean, it goes without saying that hockey is a number one, but I didn't want to bore you nor the listeners with the uh, the hockey thing. <laughs> Plus, the more I wish for hockey out loud, I feel like the, I'm going to jinx it because things are starting to move in the right direction. But uh, uh, I, I've I'm not concerned. been following the, I've not been following the Penguins that closely this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to make the playoffs if they come back with the expanded playoff? Format? Yes, abs- abs- absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But I don't, I don't want to jinx. I don't want to jinx. But yeah, I mean, as far as uh, hockey goes, the, this whole pause could actually help the Penguins more than a lot of other teams. That being said, they could get bounced in the very first round because it's a best of three against uh, arguably the best goaltender in the league, even though he's ranked 31st out of 31 teams, maybe 32nd. He's having a bit of an off year, but he doesn't. Carey Price is, uh, is scary in a, in a best of three series. But it concerns me, Brian. It concerns scary me. Scary Carey. Scary Carey, yes. Good looking guy too, but uh, let's uh, let's get to the program. None of this, look, uh, none of this banter, none of this back and forth. I don't like it. I'm gonna look up Carrie Price. I just, I, I'm dropping my my. Uh, the last few weeks, I don't know if it, if, if it's coming off, Brian, or if, if anyone notices, but uh, I've been sitting sideways so I can lean back in my chair with my mic on my lap instead of hunched over my mic like I'm a uh, like I'm in prison guarding my food you know how they do I don't know you might not know that but like people in prison they learn oh, yeah, they got their elbow they, they got their, their elbow around the other yeah. side of the plate that I mean you do a show across from me you know for years that's how I do the show I usually have my arm around I'm hunched over and I got my arm around the uh, the microphone yes yeah, so I've been a, trying you have, you have a canine like instinct to protect your bowl yeah, yeah, that's kind of how I, but, but I've been trying to mix it up, and, I, and I've been leaning back for, I think this is the third or fourth week now, and I, I think it's coming through. I think I'm a little more relaxed and less, uh, less angsty on, on the uh, program. I'm trying anyways. I'm trying, Brian. This is fun. You know what I mean? It's fun. Well, I mean, the not talking to you part, but a it's lot of it is very fun. fun. It's, supposed to be, yeah. it's supposed to be fun. 
Yeah. All right. Let's get uh, to the program. Oh, I've Harry seen some Price, movies. Carrie Price is a handsome fella. Handsome dude. Yeah. Oh, I see a question. Who's the most Who's the most handsome guy in the Pittsburgh Penguins? If If you know, if you ask your wife, you show you show her the lineup. You show her the roster. Bob, Bob, Bob. You know, it's a tough question. He used to be a go-to Chris Kunitz for me, but he's no longer with the team. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. She says that they're all pretty, uh, pretty, pretty fug. Really? She's not really in. Yeah. I got to think. It's been a while since I've looked at those guys. Maybe Zucker, but he's kind of new. I don't really even think of him as, as a penguin yet. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to take a look. She, 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 women drive me insane with like who they think is hot. Like, uh, she thought this guy Darren England was uh, was hot. He was on the on on the team, and I thought that he looked like a like a rat. But you never know. I just I, it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah, it's on the boulder. Hey, I got a couple announcements to make, and this is this is not my favorite announcement to make, but it's an announcement that uh, I've been meaning to make the last couple of weeks, and uh, I'm not trying to scare anyone away, but uh, Patreon has let me know that, uh, oh, yeah, the government's coming, and they have said, oh, Patreon, you guys are uh, making some money for some people who are doing some extra work for people uh, for some uh, from some good cheap entertainment, some high-value entertainment, and uh, some money's changing hands. <laughs> not so fast. Where's our cut? Where is it? Uncle Sam hey, needs his cut. <laughs> Patreon wasn't paying taxes. Uh, they weren't charging uh, uh, pat- uh, the Patreons uh, any taxes. So you know, like uh, it looks like it, it's all murky. But it looks like it's from what I read, it's going to be zero uh, tax, zero cents to uh, upwards of fifty-five cents, I guess, for some. So I don't know. If you're a, if you're one of our five dollar a month Patreons, uh, know that starting June first, this is this is like an anti read. I mean, it, we're hanging on and we're trying to do all we can to keep our Patreon listeners during this tough time and uh th- you know this doesn't help things but at the same time i want to be honest and i don't want anyone to be like hey it was five bucks last month now it's five dollars and 15 cents or whatever it's going to be so that's I, appreci- I appreciate the uh, transparency and the uh clarity if the if the extra 15 to 55 cents per month is going to break you um I will completely understand if you have to cancel your... I mean, Brian, it's not going to break somebody. You know, just things add up, though. And uh, maybe they're on the fence already. And they're like, you know what? I don't I don't really like the cut of this Brian's jib. About to that's, bail out that's, anyways. That's and fair. That that's pushes fair. them over the, over the you know, the fence. Uh, speaking of that, uh, I'm going to, as, a, as to, to try and offset it, uh, I am going to be posting at least four, and I've been saying it for a while, but now i got to stick to it, at least one new show from, for the archive from the way back when, one a week. Uh, um, now that the, the tax is there, and if our numbers stick strong, uh, in either way, I'm going to start adding one new show a week. So you get a bonus show a week. Usually it's like feast or famine with me. Uh, like a couple weeks ago when we did the, uh, the bonus episode, in the beginning of the month, like they, uh, people that were Patreon listeners, they got four new film vaults that week, four oh. new episodes. So you might, new- not, you might not get one every week. You may go several weeks, but over the course of a few years, it'll average. Uh, you know, no, but now I'm, what I'm saying is with this tax uh, thing, I'm going to, which, you know, is going to be nominal uh, for most people, uh, but I'm going to start making sure that I add one and one extra uh, archive show a week. So you're going to have two film vaults in your inbox uh, that, your, on your is, RSS feed. Wait a minute. Does this mean that my my twenty dollar a month Patreon twenty dollar one cent Patreon uh, contribution to uh, the after disaster is going to go up to well like twenty dollars and eleven cents? One one could hope that it's not that much, Brian, but Ooh. it's more likely going to be like twenty one dollars. Speaking of which, uh, I would like to thank and warn our big heavy hitters, our uh, our whales as we call them, Brian. That's what, that's what they call the, uh, the the high rollers there in Vegas. I was a oh, dolphin. Right? I was a dolphin. Mr. Tagagi. 
I was a dolphin there for a while. I wasn't quite a whale, but I was, you know, on my way. You're a Vegas. marine mammal. Was, You're a marine mammal. I was wasting a lot of money on those tables. But uh, I'd like to thank Florence, uh, our friend Florence. And uh, all, most of the listeners are very familiar with Florence. And she's a $50 a month member. She has been for a couple couple weeks now. Of course, Mitch, Tobias, he's still a $50 a month member. Uh, Steven Schreiber, who's beer I'll be drinking later today, $50 a month. Brian McCauley, a new $50 a month member. Oh, so all of you, there's uh, five of you. I don't know what the taxes are going to be. I guess it's kind of like wait and see. So uh, there we go. Uh, I, I, hate to, I hate that this is happening, but I wanted to be transparent like Brian said. And I'd like to also thank all the people that give not only five, but a little extra. All right. So no more of that. Let's move on to the actual program. Talk about some movies, for God's sake. Well, you want to do the listener uh, uh, flan, f- fan fl- fashion? Fan flictions. Mark Woods. I'd like to thank Mitch Burns for putting this together every week. Uh, the listeners on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Facebook, uh, Film Vault's Facebook, let uh, us know what they've been watching in the last week. And uh, here's a little taste of it. Mark Woods on Facebook. He watched Blockers. Not the worst comedy I've seen. Definitely had a few memorable moments and had a cohort a uh, coherent storyline. Cohort. A coherent. I, I, tried, I tried to sell you coherent, on Blockers. Coherent storyline that came together in the end. No, no this is a Brian a, movie. This is a Brian a movie, movie through I, and through. It's not a great movie, but it's, it's above average. I can smell Brian movies from uh, miles away, and this is a, a Brian movie uh, all the way. This is a very, very Brian movie. Nothing Isla wrong, Woods. Nothing wrong, nothing, wrong, nothing wrong. Isla Woods on uh, Facebook. Not sure if Isla Woods and Mark Woods are uh, living together, but uh, she watched The Lodge. And it was uh, three stars. I've been hearing a lot about The Lodge, and it's one of these middling movies that everyone's talking about, which is strange to me. That that happens. Uh, She watched The Lodge, three stars, not great, but okay. I will say I was kind of surprised by the story, but didn't seem very realistic, a little too out there, okay? Uh, Ismail Lemus on Facebook. uh, Oh, (laughs) Ismail Lemus, apparently, uh, every week on our social medias, Brian, he just lists the movies that he sees, and he sees many of them, and he simply says, dope or not dope to let, you know, <laughs> right. to let everyone know. So here's a, let, a list. Let's, I, hear. let's hear. This is either a sampling, a sampling from the last few weeks, or this is just the last week. Uh, with the, with the uh, pandemic, a lot of people are catching up on a lot of movies. So here we go. Badland, not to be uh, confused with Badlands. Badland is a small movie that came out last year. Not dope, says Ismail Lemus. Is it a prequel to Badlands? It has nothing to do with Badlands. The Wrong Missy, dope. Road to Perdition, dope. Rich Kids, not dope. Shelby American, dope. Dallas Buyers Club, dope. Big Stan, not dope. Ace Ventura Part 1, dope. <laughs> Avengement, dope. Right, thank you very much, uh, Ismail, for your dope, not That's dope. That's good. I, pre- I appreciate that. <laughs> At Good Walk Ruined on Twitter saw one cut of the dead Japanese zombie comedy, but so much more greatest piece of filmmaking I've seen this year. At Good Walk Ruined, uh, you're like the fourth or fifth person to tell me that I have to watch this small, tiny little movie. It's about a film crew, Brian, and apparently uh, they're they're making some kind of small independent movie, and then it turns into a zombie thing. And I'm not a zombie people person, but uh, I've been hearing from people that even though I'm not a big zombie guy, I'm going to dig this one. So right. I will check out one cut of the dead. The Japanese zombie comedy. And then finally, at SLC Movie Junkie on Twitter. Uh, watching some, uh, being a movie junkie out there in Salt Lake City, I'm assuming. Uh, they watched Framing John DeLorean, mentioned by me. Indeed. That's Anderson. It was fascinating. Really great watch. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for uh, throwing uh, throwing the, your, your movies that you've seen in there. And uh, 
Now let's get to enough of the listeners already. Let's get to what we've watched, Brian. Let's get to the important stuff. Uh, One Cut of the Dead streaming on Shudder. If you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, I got I got to buck up and get that Shudder here pretty soon because I want to watch a few things that are on the old Shudder. Shudder. In the meantime, let's confess yes. the flex we've seen in the past week uh, with a little segment we call Flex Fashions. Anderson, uh, short week for uh, me with a labor or Memorial Day, as it were, uh, out of town for uh, oh my uh, god, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, five days. Yeah, I still have a couple of films to confess. First, oh wait, 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 hold on. Are you are you patting yourself on the back for having two movies this week? No, just pointing out. Well, it sounds like you were. Uh, if people want to pat, I'll, I'll stand. I'll stand, Pat. No, no, you were patting. You were patting. I'll All right. Stand, so pat. here's real quick, a little, little, uh, little behind the curtain, Brian, if you'll allow me, buddy. You know I love you, but I got to do this. Okay. Been trying to get this Red Dawn commentary off the ground for for some time now, and Brian, there's always something with Brian. And I was going to even give him uh, the uh, Just Friends a few weeks ago, if you recall. And Brian's like, "Oh, we're doing that tonight? No, I got to research. It's one of my favorite movies, and I need to sit down and do a bunch of research, which makes What's zero that? sense to anyone." So uh, we were going back and forth uh, on Red Dawn, and I was pitching like tonight. Let's just do it tonight. I was pitching last weekend. Always something with this guy. So we can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. So as a result, I'm going to be posting Orange Couch episodes into the archive next week, and uh, you know, it's just more more work on my shoulders. And I, the more I think about it, the more I'd like to uh, maybe just split this patreon and in, in two you could either do do uh, anderson and or brian one or the other i like uh, the idea i think it's pretty great interesting as uh, your boss and the creator of the show i would take a royalty how are you my boss exactly i've never filled out a w-2 for you or you don't you, you, don't you file absolutely a did I, for me. Sh- I can show it to you. <laughs> you you don't it's a 1099 i'm an independent contractor doesn't make me uh, an employee at all fill out a w-9 I'm no more no more an employee than uh, Mike Carano is my employee and Tyler White is my employee. Wow, get that drop, everyone. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's a, Get that drop and send it to them. Greg Serzovosti on Cinematics, my, my employee, I guess. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Send, send it yeah. to him so he knows. I saw a couple of movies first. One that was assigned to me, a, a Hey, classic. Brian. What? What? Good, jo- good job seeing two movies, bud. Thanks, pal. I appreciate that. You mm-hmm. know what? If you want to pat me on the back, I'll take it. I'm not going to Pat, 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 buddy. High five. I saw a film that was assigned to me, Anderson. It was a classic film that came up during the Bromance episode, one that you and I had seen as young boys, I, I think, and never got around to as adults. The Odd Couple. The Odd Couple. Mm-hmm. Directed by Gene Sachs from 1968. Uh, written, of course, by Neil Simon, the famous playwright, starring Walter Matthau as Oscar Madison and Jack Lemmon as Felix Unger. Uh, the Odd Couple uh, sits at a very cool 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Not a, nary, nary a negative review to be found, Anderson. This was the third highest grossing film of 1968, $44 million, mm-hmm. which was quite a sum back in the day. Uh, opened at Radio City Music Hall and ran for a record 14 weeks. Nominated for two Oscars, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing, uh, assigned to me by you. Uh, what did you think? Oh, streaming on Amazon. Is it an Amazon? Pretty sure it was Amazon. No, I rented it on Amazon. Streaming on Stars, right? Uh, yeah, I believe it was Stars. You know, I got it in my notes. I'm starting to do that for the notes as well on the uh, on the on the in the notes page for uh, the Flick Fashions as well. Yes, on Stars. It is streaming on the Stars. Yes, I. Uh, well, I don't I know if really... you know Anderson. Stars is killing it. Stars is killing it. I feel like we should have uh, shirts made up to say the film vault loves stars. <laughs> I don't think we're quite there. Uh, 
I really, really uh, had a good time with The Odd Couple. There's something about this era of filmmaking when it's actually made on film and it, it's got actors that I'm familiar with that it's it's just comfort food and it just goes down smooth and I'm just, I'm, I'm joyous inside while watching these movies as dated as they are at times and this one is fucking dated at times. It's... Uh, it's hilariously dated in certain respects, such as the uh, the handsiness of uh, the male characters. But uh, <laughs> indeed, uh, Jack uh, Walter Matthau gives the uh, he gooses the um, <laughs> the, the married waitress. With. Yeah, that's right. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm married, and she's like laughing it off, and then uh, and then he's like, oh, it's all right. Let's just go behind the cash. But it was weird seeing Matthau as a as a uh, womanizer, as a coxman in this one because. Uh, I've never really seen him in that light before. I've seen Matthau in a number of movies, but and I love him very much. Uh, probably, obviously, Bad News Bears is my favorite. Taking a Pelham, one, two, three is fantastic. He's I just love that Matthau, and uh, I don't remember him ever being lecherous in any movie, but he definitely was at times in this one. They didn't lean into it throughout the whole movie, but and that wasn't the theme by any uh, any far stretch. But you know, he's supposed to be like a bachelor, yeah, a, a divorced guy, and he and right. he's got needs. And uh, actually, a lot of the story was driven by his needs. So the story is, I, I, we shouldn't spend too much time on this other than just, you know, recommend it to people, I think, because they can see uh, a, a pretty close to like a, a comedic masterpiece of its time, right? Absolutely. To your point, though, about um, <laughs> his needs and these ledgers, this was a surprisingly dark movie. Like it opens with an attempted suicide and then moves right on to like, you know, arguments about alimony and divorce. And uh, even the, the comic parts, some of them were, were darkly comic. Like I, I would, I would categorize this as a early dark comedy. I think it's pretty dark for 1968. Perhaps. I mean, but you know, Lolita had already come out and, I think they got away with a lot more dark material as long as they didn't play it dark and they didn't play this dark at all. No, I agree. They, they, all the they way played for broad laughs, but uh, yeah, like even the part where the certain character is trying to kill himself by jumping out a window is all, you know, it's all played for yucks. Yeah. And there were some yucks that just did not work for me. And perhaps they did back in the day. I don't remember uh, Lemon being such a ham with uh, all the noises that he was making, trying to clear his throat. Like none of that stuff really worked for me. But a lot of the callbacks and just the the, the, the tale that was weaved by Neil Simon, who you know, he's got 103 writing credits to his name on the old IMDb. I mean, the, the man knew what he was doing. Uh, would this pass the Bechtel test? I don't think so. The sisters do talk to each other about, you know, small talk, where they came from and such. So, no, oh, but they're talking to the men and they're not telling the, the, no, each other what they. You're right. They're, but they're talking like asides, like about like, you know, remember, remember back in the day. Kind of, it, it, it's a flimsy. I would not put this up as the shining example of uh, the Bechtel test, but uh, I would say possibly, yes, it does pass. Um, but I, 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 it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the throat clearing stuff, which is, I guess, kind of an iconic scene. I, I, it didn't work for me either. It was like, all right, that's kind of broad comedy and blah, blah, blah. I thought the physical comedy was really funny in this movie with Jack Lemmon and his back issues. And he's always, you know, something's neck or his arm. And like, I, I enjoyed the physical comedy. They're chasing him around the, uh, the, uh, apartment when they were afraid that he was going to do something to himself. I, I enjoyed the, uh, the, you know, it's like candy, you know, little bits of, uh, physical yeah. comedy. It just goes down smooth. Like just the camera's stuck on them when they're playing the poker game in the beginning and, and the, uh, 
very uh, slovenly Mathau comes out and he's like opening cans of beer and it's back in the days where the cans of beer had to be open with a can opener and beer is literally just shooting across the room all over the poker table. The camera's not even moving at all, but you see all the action and it just it just works. And speaking of the sisters, uh, they they set up a, a date with a couple sisters that live in the apart same apartment building. And that whole scene, I watched that scene twice. That was just a fantastic scene. And those sisters were fantastic. Uh, two British uh, women from uh, from from across the pond, as they say, Brian, and uh, I, it, they were great. Uh, Mathau and Lemon interacting them with them was great. I just loved that scene. It was there was a couple really long takes where uh, they had to break into tears and then you know regain their composure. It was just it was fantastic. I, I didn't I didn't realize. I, I don't think it's a direct parody, but it's very clearly inspired by. I didn't realize the scene uh, in Swingers, you know, inside the uh, inside the trailer park where they, you know the guys are making out with the girls. Uh, was pretty much directly uh, inspired by this scene. I think there's a lot of things. There's a there's a David Schwimmer movie, something about fools kissing fools, which I really like. Maybe fools Russian. What's I fools Russian? Fools and he Russian. played a he played a uh, Schwimmer played a uh, womanizing uh, sports writer, and I, I think that there's a lot of DNA uh, that could be a lot of. A lot of DNAs, uh, odd couples DNAs on a lot of modern day films, I think, uh, and has been for the last 50 years, I would imagine, just because it works so well. And I mean, they've done remakes, they've done TV shows. It, it makes sense. So I didn't remember a lot of it, and I'm really glad that I saw it. it was, a lot of it was like seeing it for the first time for yeah, me. Yeah, so, same, uh, same. Kissing a so Fool if you have stars, is, is the movie you're thinking of. Kissing a Fool, which snappy, I like. Snappy I, dialogue, by the way. With Jason Lee. Couple. Oh, yeah. S snappy patter. And, you know, little things like where, he, you know, he says, uh, no, no, in the beginning, he's telling him, no, it's not 12 floors. It's only 11 floors. Don't jump. And then, you know, flash, you know, move for 45 minutes later in the movie and uh, he wants him to jump. And he's like, yeah. going, it's 12 floors. It's 12 floors. It's 12 floors. <laughs> so, yeah, we, and we didn't really even get into the storyline, but I, I don't think we need to spend time no, doing it's, that. It's Just neither here nor there. It's right there in the title. Highly recommended. Yeah, a really fun, I guess at this point, consider a classic film. Um, I also, I guess I, I realized this just because of the character similarities, but this was a movie that really drove it home for me, how much uh, old Gil in The Simpsons is, is very much. Oh, Glenn. yeah. That's but Jack like, Lemmon I knew for that sure. from like, you know, Shawshank or uh, Glengarry Glen Ross and stuff Glenn like Gary, that. Glengarry Glen Ross. But I was like, oh, my back. Oh, <laughs> it's the exact same character. Yeah. Just the little things when when Lemon in the beginning of the, the first uh, opening scene and he, he's kind of I think it's just oh it's right after he he tries to do the whole killing himself in the apartment and then he goes downstairs and he goes into the, into the uh, nudie bar or a, the version of the nudie bar is like a go go dancing bar and he's just giving the side eye to the girl that's dancing up on the stage. <laughs> The side I was great. And there's great things that happen that don't happen anymore where he's like walking with all of these people around him and they're not extras. They're just people in New York walking yep. on the street. Oh, yeah, there's like, some like overhead shots where like a long lens. just talking to strangers. Yeah, just walking into 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 the establishment and you don't see that anymore. Because the lawyers, Brian, the lawyers have gotten uh, involved in everything and you're not allowed to do that. Because those those people could turn around and say, Hey, I wasn't an odd couple. I, I want some money. Would you like to hear some fun casting facts from IMDb? Mm, at, at one point, not. Frank Sinatra, of all people, as Felix. 
Not as I think he was up for every role back then. That's true. I think he's one and of those Jackie guys. Gleason as Oscar were were uh, considered for the film. Version. I could see that though, couldn't yeah. you? Oh, yeah, of course. Jack Gleason would, would be a perfect Oscar. Uh, Dick Van yeah. Dyke and Tony Randall also considered uh, for those for the role of Felix. Uh, Tony Randall eventually played Felix in the TV series, uh, and uh, Mickey Rooney was also supposed to do, uh, to play Oscar. Although, do you know Mathau played Oscar Madison on stage? I think he had a bit of a leg up on everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so uh, you uh, two uh, two two big recommendations, and like I said, with the stars, at least for Directv, they're giving it away for a few months right now. I imagine they're probably still doing that. If you if you want to call them up and bitch about anything and uh, threaten to leave them, they'll they'll throw stars as well as Showtime and Cinemax at you. So I I highly recommend doing that. Do All it. Right. Let's go. Uh, I have one more movie. Well, how many do you have? Well, I have two, so because I try and I try. I try. You see what I'm saying, Brian? All right. I'll get straight to uh, one that I teased last week, so I'm on the hook for it. Uh, this is Framing John DeLorean. came out of Sundance a couple years ago, or last uh, last year, I guess. Yeah, 2019, January 2019. Feels like a couple years. But uh, it's on Hulu right now. It's brought to you from the director team who brought us Believer, which is uh, one of Brian's favorite music documentaries. Not a music and doc. It is absolutely a music documentary. And uh, it is the story of, get this, Brian, John DeLorean. Now, if you're like me, you're vaguely familiar with John DeLorean. You know that he is the man behind the DeLorean, which makes sense because his name's right there in the title of the of the car. The, and uh, you, most of us became uh, enamored, if we're kids of the 80s and 90s, we became enamored with the DeLorean from, uh, uh, of course, Back to the Future. And uh, I had heard things about his uh, bust with the Coke, and uh, I had always wondered why they didn't make a movie about this guy, because it seems like it's right there for the taking. And this movie is not only about John DeLorean, but also about all the failed attempts to bring his story to the big screen. And this is the closest thing we've got so far. Um, However, sadly, my biggest takeaway, and the thing that I'll always associate with this movie and always think of first when I think of this movie is... uh, Alec Baldwin and how he it continues to evolve into a self-important fuck. And uh, I don't know if it's ever been illustrated or captured as well as it was in this movie. So for, I guess, creative reasons they decided to bring, I think Alec Baldwin might have pitched himself to them or who knows how it all happened. Hey, I, you know, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt you because I want to ask, is there any reference to, because there was a John DeLorean dramatic film that came out uh, the the year before called Driven. Called what? Sorry. Driven with Jason Sudeikis. Uh, I don't know if it came, I don't know if they mention it or it comes no. up. No, I mean they they interview a number of uh, producers who were attached to failed John DeLorean projects, uh, yeah. but Driven, which I vaguely remember passing on <laughs> when it was released, so I don't think that that does it justice necessarily, but. I guess Alec Baldwin, like you know, most of us have wanted to see you know something made about about John DeLorean, and uh, he is a part of this production, and he is playing John DeLorean in reenactments that they do of things that John DeLorean did in real life. Most notably, um, a the drug bust, which brought him down and um, kind of put an end to everything. 
but it's it's a fascinating documentary, a fascinating story. You feel bad for the guy. You really dislike the guy. Like like a lot of good documentaries, you get to know the individual, the subject, to the point that you can see both sides. You dislike him at times. You're pulling for him for t- at, at times. Give you an idea, a little uh, glimpse into to how driven this guy was. That's a that's an apt name for a movie about him. Well done. Uh, the drug deal, the drug deal that he got busted for. Which, by the way, they got the surveillance footage. It's like the Colombian or whoever it is, the drug cartel guy that comes into the room uh, in the hotel. Like his beard looks like a bad SNL beard. And you can tell even in the grainy footage. It's like, what were you doing, John? How did you not know? And like they they needed to have him touch the drugs. So for no reason at all, he was supposed to just be like the, the, the funder. He's supposed to just put $10 million in or something and he get $30 million back. That was the deal. And it was all, you know, like a sting operation set up by the FBI. And, uh, it's really fascinating how they put it all together too. They just called one of their informants and oh no, their informant called them and said, Hey, John DeLorean's calling me. He's desperate for money. Let's do something. The, the, the informant called the FBI, but then they, so they got the surveillance tape and the uh, more, it seems like it's been a running theme here with uh, movies we've been seeing lately uh, with uh, the FBI just kind of showing their dick colors. Because I um, was always under the impression, or I guess I had heard that like his the drug bust thing was a, was like a setup, or he was it was a uh, entrapment or whatever. Entrapment. Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's what the FBI specializes in, and they get away with it somehow. From what I've learned with that movie that we saw uh, just just recently with um, Christian, uh, what was the name of that movie? The documentary about the basketball uh, FBI scandal. Oh, oh, oh um, the scheme. The scheme, yes, 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 yes. The scheme, and then uh, oh, the Circus of Books, another documentary that we saw recently, where the FBI was, you know, trying to take down the, the little old couple that ran the the, the, oh, the gay yeah, porn the, shop. The, the Circus of Books. So the FBI, they're they're looking for a big fish here, and DeLorean's a big fish. But DeLorean was really hurting for money for capital for his company, for his car company that was uh, out of Belfast, of all places, uh, in Ireland, which is a whole story unto itself. Like this man could have a mini series on on the different phases of his life and and the car company. Anyways. Uh, so they brought out the suitcase and they needed him to like touch the the cocaine so that they could really implement them. And like he picks it up and says, oh, the weight of gold, uh, gold weighs more than this, something ridiculous like that. But you're just like, dude, how could you not see? Like, So he's a really smart guy, but at times he's exposed for being a dumb one. And uh, Alec Baldwin is, is just pontificating about him. And directing, <laughs> I just have a, a thing too where these actors direct the directors and he's going... Hold on. There's this one shot towards the end of the movie where he's like, "Hold on. I, I want you to have the camera on me, and then I'm going to look up at at the picture, and then I'm going to look back down, and I'm going to have a real thought, and I want you to come back to me." And it's like, and they didn't even use it. They just used him saying that, and they didn't end the movie that way. So I, you get the sense that the the filmmakers were kind of like, "All right, enough with this, Alec." Uh, that's my takeaway from this movie. But there's so much that's there. What, that's what we got from framing John Delorean. There's so much, so much there. But my takeaway is like Alec Baldwin has really spun out of control. Like he is just spun out. No one's keeping that guy in check. No one's saying, hey, dude, fucking come back down to earth. Relax. He needs someone to keep him a check. Check. All right. What do you got? I saw enough with the goddamn documentaries, by the way. Well, we did. Uh, two movies so far and one's been in a doc and that's my last doc uh for this week brian well i saw a documentary 
Um, oh, Jesus, we, Brian. We, uh, remember I pitched to you last week, which I think would be a great topic, if not for the regular show, for Patreon perhaps, top five uh, movie events of our, uh, film events of our lifetime. Um, mm. th- things, you know, for you, I mentioned uh, Fear and Loathing. That was something you had to see. You were, you were, was that the mm. one with the laser pointer? There was, yes. a, there was a movie you were Sorry. very excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I was very excited about uh, Fear and Loathing. I saw it at the Egyptian in uh, Westwood, and some fuckhead had a, a laser pointer before the movie even began. He was bouncing about the screen, and I could hear him giggling to himself. And I actually stood up in a very loud, uh, crowded theater and, and turned around and said, Dude, I said something along the lines of, like, you're not going to fuck this up for us. Put that thing away. Something along those lines. You're a hero. Oh, I mean, he still busted it out. Uh, my next, trailers. my next, the movie that I'm going to confess uh, is uh, not on my uh, movie events, but could very well be on a uh, young person, uh, maybe 10, 20 years from now. Like, oh yeah, that was like an event of my lifetime. Have you watched Anderson, The Last Dance? Oh, uh, no. Oh, you're missing out, buddy. The Last Dance is a 10-part uh, documentary, docuseries about Michael Jordan's basketball career uh, with the through line being uh, the Chicago Bulls' pursuit of a sixth championship and second three-peat in 1997-98. Uh, it uh, recently concluded, well, I mean, <laughs> they aired all 10 episodes uh, on ESPN, uh, directed by Michael Hare. Uh, Michael Hare, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, he directed, I think you, we both, I liked it a lot, I think you liked it I, like I did too, the Under the Giant documentary that came out a couple, two, three years ago. Yeah, it was good. It was very good. Very, 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 very sweet. I remember uh, liking Andre quite a bit. I'm thinking I could uh, hang with that guy. 96% of The Last Dance on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not sure who could give this a negative review. This is streaming on Sling TV and ESPN Plus. It's coming to Netflix July 19th, so you can add it to your queue. Uh, The reason I'm mentioning it now, number one, it just ended, uh, so I've seen all 10 episodes, but it is airing on ABC this Saturday and Sunday. So if you don't have ESPN, you don't care about ESPN, you don't want to wait for Netflix, you probably have ABC. You can uh, get, it that, uh, get it that way. As they say, check your local listings for times. Uh, this is, as you can imagine, 10 hours, 10 hour long episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. And like the seven and a half hour OJ documentary, there are few individuals, Anderson, who warrant a documentary this long. Michael Jordan is definitely one of them. Uh, ironically enough, another MJ, Michael Jackson, would probably also warrant like a talk about his life that was this long. Um, well, there's that three and a half hour uh, one-sided documentary where two kids just accuse him of diddling. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Imagine if you also talked about his music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Jordan, of course, not just the sports impact uh, this covers, but cultural, you know, shoes, commercials, Olympics, playing baseball, even politics. They get into the, the uh, you know, he, he famously said when a uh, black uh, man named Harvey uh, Gant, I think it is, Harvey Gant was running for uh, North Carolina Senate against Jesse Helms. I think I have that right. In North Carolina against Jesse Helms. He wanted Michael Jordan's endorsement as someone from North Carolina, and Jordan wouldn't give it to him, saying basically, Hey, Republicans buy shoes too. I.e., I don't want to ups- you know do anything politically that might upset my fans. Um, I, I, Anderson, do you did you follow basketball in the nineties? You were obviously why did aware you just tell that story? What, what are you trying to to say there? Why why would you tell that story? 
because I'm saying it touches on Michael Jordan's impact on all aspects of culture. How he's a businessman too. Oh yeah, and how and and even like how politically he didn't want to get involved because he was so no, he, like he was so conscious of his image and his right. um his his rep. I get I wouldn't say reputation. I would say just you know his he's he is this person to people on the right and people on the left. And if he takes a stand right or left, then he's right, it's, you know he's business he's no wise it's not. For the bank account, it's not a wise decision to be opinionated about politics. Yeah, true. Is I mean, what he's saying. You could, yeah, you he's could. Make, I don't, you could make an argument both ways. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, here's my big problem with with this, and I've been getting the emails, and I've been hearing from everybody. I, I hear it's fantastic. I hear it's great. I do not like things that are made about people. A when they're still alive, but I understand that that can't always you know be you can't always wait for them to die, but I really don't like it when uh, something's about someone and it's produced by that person. And I just don't really have any interest in watching a 10 hour puff piece on Michael Jordan's own documentary about himself. He, I mean, he was involved with this thing from the, the beginning and he's a producer and he put his own money into it. And I, I mean, what's it gonna say that's negative about it? I, See, I, I, I don't, if I was a giant basketball fan or if I was a giant Bulls fan, I would watch this probably, but I'm not either one of those things, so I don't. I don't see anything a um, value there for me. No, I'm not a Giants Bulls fan. I I'm, I I followed the NBA. You're pretty a sucker, close. though. What's that? Oh, what? You're a sucker. I'm a sucker for what? For watching a 10-hour puff piece oh, uh, produced no, no. by the man well, it's about. That's funny you mentioned that because I wonder. I don't know. I don't know this to be a fact. I wonder how much creative influence he had because there's a lot of. It's not a very flattering portrait of him at certain times. Like he comes off like a total asshole at certain times, and uh, it, it, I, I wouldn't say it's. Um, it also talks Fluff. about like the conspiracy theories about how his gambling led to his father's death. I mean, it's not. I would not categorize this as a puff piece, and I'm not a huge Michael Jordan fan, so I'm not like I'm rooting for the guy. I think I watched it about as neutral as you can get. Um, it, it is masterfully made. It, the, the 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 timeline stuff they 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 go back and forth in time, but you're never confused. They're going you know from from modern day back to his rookie year, blah 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 blah. It's it's very very artfully done uh, for a sports documentary, especially with all the archival footage and they mm. interview everyone, everyone who's possibly they, they interview Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. You know what I mean? Like it's incredibly comprehensive. They have like they have like such short interview clips with some of these people and they clearly sat down with them because it's all consistent. It's all the same film stock. It's all the same look like Carmen Electra and Justin Timberlake and Kobe. They make almost like cameos. You know what I mean? Like they have like, well, Carmen Electra's got the connection because she was with uh, Rodman there. I'm not saying it's not deserved. I'm saying they've talked to so many people who have an opinion or a thought or whatever uh, on, on Michael Jordan and the bulls. But how many opinions are they going to have? Isn't it mostly just like flattery and opinions of him how many how many people are on there no going, no no, no. So a, lot, a lot of his opponents don't have very nice things to say about him I, mean, well, I know isaiah thomas isn't going to and you know i've, I've heard some of that documented he but still I'm, holds right, a grudge but, about the shake and right but to that point they're not shying away from the controversy you know what i mean isaiah thomas right. is interviewed throughout this documentary and they're not friends they're they don't get along they, they michael jordan's no. like i don't like that guy do they get into the Hitler mustache? Because that's my most interest. Uh, that's what I'm most interested. No, it really, about. it really does end after that uh, that last season, the 1998 season. The, the, oh, the, they the, don't do any. The titular last dance. Okay, because I mean, it, it seems like he <laughs> these days doesn't really care if, if if Jewish people buy his shoes. 
You think that you think that's how, uh, you think that's keeping some of them no, alive? I, I'm fucking around. I'm Don't. actually. I I said a while ago when he first had that Hitler mustache. I'm like, you know, of all the people alive on the planet right now, if I had to pick somebody who might be able to pull it off, it's probably Jordan. Like he'd probably be the closest person to be able to bring back the Hitler mustache that I can think of. Well you know put. I mean? Well put. Um, I don't know if it's well put. Don't but, let uh, the well. No, I agree. I mean, I, I can't think of anyone else. I mean, have to be. I'm someone. not taking anything away from people who love Jordan. And I stopped watching basketball in the late '80s, and when I discovered hockey, and I just never went back. Like I never watched any hockey until the late '80s, and then I I discovered hockey, and I just never went back to basketball. And it's kind of hard to. You, most people are either one or the other, and it's really hard to watch both unless you're really, you know, you make your living doing something sports related. Yeah, I so guess, I, I guess they, you have they to choose between black people and white people if that's what you like. I mean, and that's a real easy way to look at it. And, uh, you know, if I was concerned about looking like a racist, I would not be talking about these things so loudly and publicly. So uh, that's not that's not a concern of mine there, Bri Bri. Well, to everyone but, except Anderson listening, uh, don't let the length intimidate you. This is very bingeable. Uh, they break it off into one hour chunks. Uh, makes you want to watch more. Very well organized. Very well uh, presented. Honestly, probably could have even had a little more. They even did like another an extra bonus episode like after the dance. I didn't watch it, you know, but uh, don't let the length intimidate you it's also member berries i think right this is member berries no, there for was like definitely, uh, there was people definitely some of that it sounds like it's uh, a lot of that there okay. were no there was right. some people like it i was enjoying like a lot of the footage from the mid 90s nba but i'd never seen much of jordan at like north carolina or in those early years with the bulls before they were good so actually that was that was actually kind of fascinating and eye-opening like oh this is that guy before he was iconic with the shoes and with the everything. Like he, he was just a great athlete who was playing basketball. I was at an establishment not too, uh, a few weeks ago, actually, and I uh, look over and uh, Scotty Pippen standing like right next to me. Oh. I'm like, yeah, that's unmistakably Scotty Pippen. He, he's a recognizable man. Because I think I'm right next to people all the time living out here in L.A. I just don't recognize them uh, very often because I'm bad with that. I don't really when notice it, people around me. When a six-foot-seven-inch black man with a horse face stands next to you, you recognize that's him? That's not nice to say at all. But, yeah, I, I recognize him and I recognize Angeline all the time. I see the two. Uh, I, I see Angeline. I don't, I don't see Pippin all the time, but I see Angeline and her pink Corvette all the time. Angeline and Pippin, the two hallmarks of uh, Hollywood, uh, <laughs> Hollywood celebrity. All right, I'm going to flick fast my final movie right now, Please. and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it because we have been uh, heavy on the uh, the documentaries, which I take to heart, and uh, I understand that you've put a lot of investment into the uh, to the, oh, the last dance. So uh, it's also really really I, good. Yeah, and it's 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 good from from what I hear from from a lot of people, uh, but uh, so I understand that you. you did the documentary however i'm trying to shut because i've seen probably three documentaries with the wife since i talked at you last and i'm not going to be flick fasting them however aka jane doe oh, i mean yeah. a, aka jane Rowe is uh it's fantastic I, I i really did enjoy that but i'm not flick fasting it but everyone should can can check that out uh, wherever it's it's on fx now no it's a documentary and i'm trying to get away from that that's not that's not the bread and butter of the show brian a movie that i've been trying to track down i've been wanting to watch for quite some time i just couldn't bring myself to pay for it uh, not for being cheap, but just, uh, I guess, yeah, for being cheap. I, I got I to be, I gotta be careful. I got to be careful. Uh, but I got a long list of movies, right? Uh, and I'm always, you know, checking to see if they're if they're available anywhere. And I, I do spend money on, on movies. Uh, but that all that aside, that, that's not the point. There's a movie that's available on the old Hulu. You got Hulu? Brian, do you got Hulu? I do, actually. That's the, that's the got, uh, most recent uh, sign-up for me. 
I don't believe I won gambling this week. Had I won gambling, I think I might have uh, assigned this movie to you, so we could both talk about it this coming week. But uh, I'm just going to do it because I, I don't want to uh, wait. Uh, this is directed by uh, Duncan Skiles. Skillis? Skillis. Skillis Skiles. Um, he is the director of mainly The Clovich Killer. Um, he did... Nah, never mind. The, the, the Our Robocop remake... Never mind. I should cut all this out. Come on. I, Come on. I, I became obsessed with Our Robocop remake, which I want to see, and I forgot about that, and he directed one of the segments, but it, I, I can't find it. It's not showing up anywhere. Our Robocop remake. It's when a bunch of fans, Robocop fans, got together, and they're like, what? They're remaking Robocop? Fuck them. We'll, we'll remake it ourselves. And a bunch of fans got together and did their own version of cheap Robocop. Wait, and I wait, want wait. To see it. Anyways. Wait, are you... Are Does you are you, Doesn't that sound great? Do you want to see the, the fan edition or the uh, the remake from like 2014? No, the fan version. I fuck the remake. I will never see the remake. It's not good. I want to see the... F- oh, I know. I, they bastardized the original. I've Robocop, seen it. It's bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Duncan Skillez, uh, director of The Clovich Killer, uh, made this movie and it really... So the movie is quite simple in the sense that it's about a small town in Kentucky and it's 10 years after a serial killer in the area had stopped killing and he had killed 12 women and he was into bondage and uh, kind of like the uh, drawing a blank on the, the BTK killer was it was a BTK I find for, I for, that is not a Korean pop band <laughs> I don't know. All right. Anyways, so he he's uh, stopped killing, and you can't really figure out why. And like uh, you, you get to hear about this uh, early early on in the film. I've been hearing about this movie for a number of years for, since it came out in 2018, and that uh, it's really really good. But then it kind of misses the mark towards the end. And I've been wanting to watch it for a, a long time, mainly because of my boy Charlie Plummer, who I really really like. He is in. Uh, uh, King Jack, he is Jack, and I love that movie. And I, he also plays the um, uh, the Getty movie. Uh, he plays the, uh, the the grandson who gets fucked over. By, oh, uh, with all Plummer. the money in the world. Yes, not a, not uh, a bad movie. Dylan McDermott plays his dad, so it's a very like ultra Christian family, and they're Boy Scouts. And they're uh, Dylan McDermott plays a a Boy Scout. Uh, Wait, what is this? Sorry, uh, give me the title again. The Clovich Killer. Clovich is a type of knot. And they're Boy Scouts, right? He's a Boy Scout, and he couldn't be more, like, just uh, timid and frail and afraid of his parents, who he calls ma'am, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, and and Christianity. And he's got a little sister who's kind of just there. And, uh, and, and they go to church, and he's got these pious... Uh, friends who who uh, some rumor starts to swirl about him because he, he borrows his he's got the balls to take his dad's truck because he's a 16 year old kid he borrows his dad's work truck uh, in the middle of the night so he sneaks out with his dad's work truck to go pick up uh, a young church goer friend of his right so because he thinks he's gonna get get a little uh 16 year old lust right uh, will drive anyone to to steal their dad's truck even if they're scared shitless of their dad and they're about to make out and uh and then the the girl finds something she's trying to put her seat back and she finds something in the corner of uh, back down where you put your seat, she pulls it up and it's a uh, it's like a magazine picture of a girl in heavy bondage with like the gag in her mouth oh and boy. boobs exposed. And uh, Charlie uh, was was his name's Tyler 
was lying and saying that it was his truck, which didn't really make a ton of sense. There's some loopholes here and some 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 soft spots in the script, but she knew him. She knew his family, so she would know that that was his dad's work truck. So it didn't really make sense, but it needed to be there so that she could be like, "What is this?" And he's like, "Oh, it's not mine. I don't know how that got there." And she's like, "You're sick. You're into this kind of stuff." And then makeout session over. She's like, "I think it's getting late. You should take me home." And then she tells one person, and it spreads like wildfire. And now everyone thinks that he's a, he's a perv, right? And so he's kind of outcast from his little church uh, groups and uh, Boy Scouts. Uh, and then he starts hanging out with uh, Cindy, who is uh, Madison Beatty with the red hair. Madison Beatty is fantastic. Yes, she, uh, if, you, if you've seen uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you will recognize her as one of the uh, Charlie's main girls who uh, has a, a pretty big part. Her and a, a, a fireplace mantle have a pretty big scene towards the end of the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But she is fantastic in this movie. You get to see a whole lot more of uh, her ability and, and who she is and what she can do. She's like uh, an outcast in school as well, and she's considered a whore, and she just kind of hangs around the, like the, the, the back alley of the church. And uh, so he has to resort to hanging out with her, and she's obsessed with the Clovich killer. And like she's still obsessed, and she has scrapbooks and whatnot. A little far-fetched, but... Uh, the best part about this movie, by far and away, kind of like my one takeaway that I'll always remember when I think of uh, framing uh, John DeLorean, I'm going to think of Alec Baldwin. By far and away, my favorite part of this movie is Dylan McDermott. And I don't know how familiar you are with Dylan McDermott, but he's, he's that guy, <laughs> he's right? Pretty, he's, pretty, yeah, he's, pretty, he's pretty well known. But he's that guy. He's always Dylan McDermott. Yeah, you're right. He, he, he's kind of anonymous. Like I can't be like, oh, he was great as that one character in blah, blah, blah. Maybe I just got a thing for like uh, grown men in in Boy Scout uniforms because uh, I love me some This Boy's Life with uh, Bob De Niro uh, dressed up as a Boy Scout. I, I think it's high comedy. And Dylan McDermott playing against type as this ultra-religious, by-the-book, gun safety. His, his uh, specialty with the Boy Scouts is gun safety. So like that's what he teaches all the Boy Scouts. So he's all about gun safety. He's all completely buttoned up. Some questions come about, uh, obviously, because they find that picture in his truck, and uh, that's the rest of the movie. And I really enjoyed the first two thirds of this movie, and I loved parts of the last third of this movie. It just got way too convenient, and it didn't really hit me the way I think it was supposed to. And it sucks because I heard that was the problem, and it's definitely the problem with this movie. Mm. But now that it's now that it's streaming on Hulu, if you got a Hulu membership, I highly recommend it just to watch Dylan McDermott do something out of the ordinary. I think my wife would have liked this. I watch, I wish that I watched it with her. And I think that there was it was being played for laughs, but maybe they just there just weren't enough. But it's that kind of humor that I really respond to, which is not overt humor it's very subtle i like subtle humor brian but i don't like subtle messages if if that makes any sense like if you got a big message just come out and say it don't beat around the bush or try and use like you know uh, uh parallels or or you know subtext we're not living in in the uh in the censorship era just you know i i get the the, the craft of it at times, but why beat around the bush when you can just say, especially if it's important, this, don't this, like leave dumb people. This explains groupers. Now I personally would uh, Overt, yeah. tend towards a, a more subtle message. Like the first one that jumps to mind is, uh, the, the, what I thought was the biggest flaw with the Dark Knight Rises, which is like, yes, we get it. There's a 1% versus the 99% theme. We get it. The 1% has all the money. Like, it, it wasn't subtle, and it, it partially ruined the movie for me. 
Good point, but subtlety can go to the point where it's like lyrical. If it's him, it, if it's him handed subtlety where it's like they're trying to be subtle, but they're accidentally being overt. Then yeah, yeah that's, that's the that's, worst. That's the worst. But I, I do really respond to subtle humor. And there's a lot of that in this movie, especially towards the end. And I, I really, I don't like the hammy, you know, like this is, but that's why I don't like Spaceballs, and I don't like some of these these movies that you think are hilarious, where they know you're like, where they, where they, where they're shooting it, and they're like, oh, people are going to be laughing hysterically at this part. I don't, I don't like that stuff. I don't like it, Brian. I don't like it. Wait, do you like it? I don't like it. But I think that this was a dark comedy more than anything, and I, I don't know if it was really marketed that way. I didn't realize it was dark comedy until about halfway through. Uh, so. Anyways, Klobuch Killer, I give it a, a solid three and a half star. It's hard. I don't like star ratings either because I'm really glad I saw this and I'm always going to think of Dylan McDermott differently and I'm always going to think of that character. I, I loved him as uh, whatever the fuck his name was in the movie. <laughs> he, uh, Don Burnside. Mr. Burnside. Mr. Burns. Don Burnside. What, um, overall, was it an above average movie? I mean, it's 78% of run Tomatoes. So I have to imagine it's at least okay. At least okay. Yeah, it's an above average movie. It's it's kind of a throwback movie. It feels like a like almost like an episode of X Files at times, even though it's not sci fi. But it just kind of has something. It's, it's a, they don't make those kinds of movies anymore, and they used to. It feels like a movie from the '90s, and I wish they'd still make good movies like this about serial killers. The last one, I think, big one that that came out, unless I'm missing something, is uh, uh, the Snowman, which was a total yeah, swing and a miss. It was it was brutal, but uh, you know, like. It's it's got shades of uh, uh, Sons of the Lambs, which I mean, the Sons of the Lambs is by far superior, like far and away, you know, its own league as far as quality movies. But it's it's a little bit of seven. I missed the serial killer movie. I haven't seen a good serial killer movie in a while, and that's what this was. Should we watch? Uh, should we watch the Snowman? No, there's too many other bad movies we could watch. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> Coming up next. I don't think we're doing a tight hour today, buddy. Hey, it, real, and let's go back real quick before we put uh, Flick Fashions to bed. Uh, uh, the framing of Don, John DeLorean, something I forgot, and I have it in my notes here, and I'm just looking at it now foolishly. But uh, his son, John DeLorean's son, is also one of the biggest takeaways because they follow around his son, his son interviews for the documentary, and his, his son is his lasting legacy, essentially, because there's nothing else left of John DeLorean, and that just says it all. John, his son is, is very uh, blue-collar and not of means at all, and that is all showing, and it's, it, it really sums up John DeLorean's legacy. So it, that, was, that was fascinating as well. Yeah. I do like that John DeLorean. I like Clovis Killer and John DeLorean. Three really good movies this week. Three really good movies. Really? You know you're upgrading to really good? Yeah, they're both, they're all three are above average for sure. Odd Couple's fantastic. Clovis Killer was a throwback 90s movie that I really liked, that I really enjoyed. Three and a half to four stars. Wow. You know, and uh, I, uh, I, the framing of John DeLorean, all, all three of them uh, are in my brain forever. That's a high, high praise. All right. Coming up next, we will talk about some films that pass the Bechtel test. Some, oh, some really good ones that don't pass the Bechtel test after this. Horses beating dead. Just another citizen without a pot to piss a bit. Pop a pills or in the keeper with the cinnamon. Close to without cinnamon. I got a call addicted to the shit that they be calling my medicine. So can we take the Yayo. I haven't seen uh, dear old Atticus there in God knows how many months. Is he, I don't know how tall he's getting these days. Is he uh, ready to move out of the uh, toddler bed or is he still pretty squarely, comfortably in there? 
Uh, he's fine on the toddler bed. Yeah, he's a he's a tall, lanky fella, but uh, he's fine with it. It's like a what? Uh, yeah, what is a toddler bed? Yeah, he's fine. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, Why? we're starting to have conversations about moving Tessa out from the really because she's just a, she's just getting to be pretty you know t- pretty tall in that bed and. Uh, well, she's obsessed by the way, uh, not Christy, but Tessa with, uh, bunk beds. She loves the idea of a bunk bed. And so I was like, mm-hmm. well, let's do like a loft bed. We could put like toys and stuff underneath it and use that space. But, uh, Christy's a little nervous that Tessa might uh, tumble out of it. You know, trying to get out at night. They do have those sweet beds where like they got stairs walking up to them. I saw them on Wayfair the other day. We were uh, kind of toying with the idea and then we quickly shied away because like we'd have to get him a new bed when he like turned five or six right. so we're not we're not looking for like a uh you know a three or four bed kid by the time he's 11 you know what i mean fair enough uh the reason i thought of it is someone bought a baby leto hudson three-in-one convertible crib with toddler bed conversion kit smart move that crib uh, doesn't last nearly as long as you think it's going to uh 18 months to two years probably if you're uh most people other things purchased on the Amazon banner that sits atop Anderson and Brian. And uh, let me just thank everyone who clicked through. Uh, it, was a, uh, it was a nice week for your click-throughs, and we appreciate it. So here's some things. Tamron for Sony mirrorless full-frame E-mount. I can only assume that's for a camera. Samsung Galaxy S10 factory unlocked Android cell phone. Oh, by the way, someone someone was getting all over me for not knowing how to pronounce certain things. Like, you think Brian would look at it before? Oh, yeah, I got that email, too. Fuck, fuck yourself. Do you have any idea how much fucking work this is? I'm copying and editing and pasting and deleting a needless... Brian, the, Brian, you know, the least you could do I, I'm re- I, is I'm, go I'm pouring and over this find goddamn, a YouTube video of someone talking about list. the product. Pouring over and this list. Here's my problem, because you know what I used to do when I was really insecure and worried about like all the uh, shit talk that happens? When you put yourself out there, you're going to have, uh, you know, you're detractors obviously and i i still get shit for not knowing how to pronounce people's names you you do as well but especially me here's my problem and i I think that it really is a mental block that i got or maybe a learning disability which i have a number of them Uh, i'll learn how to say like the director of uh clovich killer i'll learn how to say his name beforehand and then it'll completely leave me by the time we do the show unless i spell it out phonetically and it's like what are you gonna do like become a household name so i know how to say your name you know what i mean that's on you it's not my fault everyone calls me cohen and i'm not freaking the fuck out let's let's just go well put cohen uh someone got uh two two hundred dollar visa gift cards five fifty dollar amazon gift cards and two and two one hundred dollar visa gift cards so thanks for getting those a new apple ipad and space gray uh or is that an apple ipad uh ipad i paid i, I don't know how to pronounce that uh irobot roomba vacuum a touchless kissing kitchen kissing kitchen faucet with pull down sprayer um, how much time do I have? We got a lot more things. Like thirty seconds. Yeah, you gotta start that song over. No, I can do it. Four ring stick up cam HD security cam with two way talk. Four uh, two Power X turbocharger analyzer for a double A triple A batteries. Four KESU three hundred twenty gig external hard drive and a Seagate five gig five terabyte external hard drive. Turbo graphic sixteen mini photo welt photo welt. Uh, Air 36 channel wireless lavalier microphone system, Gold Zero Yeti lithium solar charging optimization module, liquid IV hydration multiplier, convenience concepts Oslo coffee table, New Loom Gabriella contemporary area rug, Brookside design set of six heavy duty print clamps, 10 inch Android tablet, and a JBL endurance peak wireless in ear sport headphones. The song ended. Nailed it. 
About 60 seconds ago. Hear the movies ever click through since the last time. Tucked at you. Two people got Galaxy Quest as well as uh, Big Daddy. Somebody got Big Daddy. Husbands, the Criterion Collection. The Wire, the complete series. Smart move. Tropic Thunder was clicked through as well as Weird Science. American History X, The Twilights. Twilight Saga, New Moon. Master and Commander, Midnight Cowboy, Fuck to the Edge, Delicatessen, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Synagogue, New York, or Schenectady. Uh, take your pick. I have no idea how to pronounce it's, you anything know what? ever. We'll come back to that at the end because I looked it up because I was tired of uh, guessing. Go ahead. Looper, the, the Last Castle, The Adjustment Bureau, Philomena, Charlie Bartlett, John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2, Sicari, Hell or, Hell, Hell or High Water, Green Room, An American Werewolf in London. Flawless. Baby Driver, <laughs> Interstellar, Apocalypse Now, Jojo Rabbit, Richard Jewell, two people got The Invisible Man, two people got Scoob, and one person, count them one person, Got groupers. Thank you very much for clicking through, everybody. Are we going to come back to Schenectady? I know that Schenectady, New York is spelled one way, which does not look like it's Schenectady, but that's what it's called. This is spelled a different way. This is not so. Yeah. So of- um, Schenectady is a town in New York. Uh, the word you're uh, pronouncing, Schenectady, or however exactly you pronounce it, is not a town in New York. It is a word that means something else, and what it essentially means is like a a synecdoche is a word that represents a larger um, thing. You know what I mean? So if you're if you're saying like, "Oh, the world is against me," you don't. You know, you're you're, you're saying the world by meaning like you know everyone I encounter or, or everyone you know in my life. Um, if you say like, uh, "Oh, Pittsburgh uh, wins the Stanley Cup," um, you you mean to say the Pittsburgh hockey sports hockey team, uh, known as the Penguins, but you're not you know being as verbose. So a synecdoche is a almost an abbreviation, I guess, like just a way to um, represent a larger group with a smaller word. Ironically, that was a very, a very, very wordy explanation. explanation. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love the idea of that movie. I just did not like Charlie Kaufman's uh, uh, version of it. It was just mind numbing and, and frustrating, but it was essentially a, a look at, a, at an artist who was given carte blanche with no, uh, uh, limitations and how that would drive most people mad and i enjoyed that yeah. I, I enjoyed that element of i did not like what, looking at his green poop i can tell you that did not enjoy that at all I like it mm-hmm. nor did i love the uh, uh never. all right uh you know what brian, brian what's that like thank you for finally looking that up how do we pronounce it though i mean I, that's that's I, the I one thing i did to get <sighs> But I've gotten a lot of shit over the years from people saying, hey, it's Schenectady, New York. I'm like, no, I could see why you would think that, but that's not what this movie is. It's it's Schenectady. It's spelled completely different from the crazy spelling that is Schenectady. Enough of all this shit. What are we doing? Back to the program. You gotta run. You better hide. Ah! Absolute. So uh, it comes from, I, it's, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm really glad that we get to do things like this and do deep dives and learn things because I don't know when else I would uh, say, you know what, I'm going to spend 
a couple hours researching the Bechtel test. I, I mean, obviously, I could look it up and, and, and just skim it real quick, but I really dove in and, and spent time with it this week, and it was fantastic. It also comes on the at the same time that something I had a bit of an epiphany or an enlightenment, which I'll get to in a second. Um, so it comes from a cartoon strip from 1985. It was the first time that we ever saw it. And let me get to my notes here, bruh, bruh. And uh, where are they? they, 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 they. Uh, it's also known as the Bechtel-Wallace test because Allison Bechtel, who came up with the, who, who wrote the comic strip, she said that she got it from her and her friend were talking about it. So it's a measure of, real simply, it's a re measure of representation of women in fiction. It asks if a movie has at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. The requirement uh, has added that two women must be named was added uh, just a few years ago. About half of the films meet these criteria according to the user-edited uh, database and the media industry press. Uh, media industry studies indicate that ha uh, films that pass the test perform better financially than those that do not. Now, I looked at this, and it looks like a lot of numbers were being uh, squished and banded about on both sides to prove each other's points. Uh, hard to tell, but it would make perfect sense that you know the more female characters, the more strong female characters you have in your movie, the more audience you're going to get in the... In, in, in your seats because it, it's a whole nother half of the, uh, the, the population out there might be interested in seeing themselves represented and, uh, featured on, in a, in a movie. That's so fair. that makes perfect sense. Um, the test is named after the American cartoonist, Alison Bechtel, in whose comic strip Dykes to watch out for the test first appeared in 1985. Next week, top five Dykes to watch out for. So essentially, it was uh, these two main characters, I guess, in her comic strip, uh, Dykes to watch out for, Allison's comic strip, are talking about whether they want to go see a movie. And the one says, yeah, I, don't, I have a, a test that I do, and I, and I don't see a movie unless it, one, has at least two women in the movie. Two, they have a conversation with each other. Three, uh, they, they, uh, they, talk, talk the conversation you. isn't about a man. And she goes, oh, wow, not, not bad. I, I, and then she goes, yeah, last movie I was able to see was Alien, which is funny because Alien barely passes I was gonna the say. test. And honestly, I don't know if at the end of the first Alien, we, we sure we see that one of the aliens is like laying eggs and whatnot, but we don't know which one. We don't know if there's – you get the idea that that's a male that they're fighting with, and you don't find out that they're asexual until like decades later. So, and it's a very phallic – very phallic creature. Very true. Uh, we can all agree to that. So par perhaps that's what Allison was driving at to even say, you know, this is the movie that, was, that she was last able to see. That's just how bad it is. is there, There's two females talking about this alien. That's the only conversation they had that wasn't about a man. And uh, the alien was very, very phallic. So it is kind of funny so, that like a movie like Alien, which a lot of people might think doesn't pass the Bechtel test. It, like I, I left out movies like that where it's like, all right, well, listen, there's a strong, one of the strongest female characters ever portrayed on film at the, at the lead of this film. So I, I it's a bit of a technicality, I guess that it doesn't pass the test or it does. It does it's kind of irrespective because you, you certainly can't argue with it over female representation. You see what I'm saying? Yes, and I get the the idea of, of Bechtel test. And I, and I, allow me to, to wax here for a minute, Brian. Okay. Um, wow. So it's, wax. It, and also it's going to be hard for me not to uh, uh, 
make some snide comments and and try and be funny because uh, it's so easy oh when we're doing uh, you know uh, movies that fail the Bechtel test. When I can say things like I found a great website, uh, thebechteltest.com, which is fantastic and it has pretty much all every movie you can imagine submitted by users and it lets you know if it passed or it did not pass. And in fact, all of my movies in my list, I will link back to that page, oh, to those respective pages. And you can see the comments and, and I will let you know of the three <laughs> criteria, how many it passed and why and where. Shit, now, however, now I'm interested to put my movies in there. <laughs> however, since you got to imagine this website was created by a woman who they, they're not the most technologically advanced, there's no search oh, uh, button. Christ. So you, you, have to, you have to Google uh, Bechtel test and then whatever movie you can think of. It, they don't have a fucking search, en uh, search engine on the site. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not joking. I'm on the site now. I'm on the site now. This Shocked. is some fucking GeoCity shit. <laughs> So I was, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm making light, you know, suggesting that the ladies don't know the te the tech stuff. But uh, at the same time, what in God's name? I mean, how do you not? Unless, you know, I'm not the techiest guy. Maybe I just missed it. But BechtelTest.com oh was, so was a great resource. It. it was a great resource that I spent a lot of time on this week. Uh, I'd like to uh, a little bit more about the uh, the Bechtel test, uh, who she credits uh, also to her friend Liz Wallace uh, and the writings of Virginia Woolf which I have still not seen Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which I'm going to try and see over the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm going to try and get in the rhythm of seeing some more of these um, these classics that I, I still need to catch up on there, Brian. Um, I'm done. Some, some, uh, some nations are taking it, or I guess not nations isn't the right word. Some uh, populations, some cultures are taking it a step further. Scandinavian cable television uh, channel, uh, Viast Film incorporated the Bechtel test into some of their ratings, which, eh, I don't know. Eh, interesting, but uh, really? I know they got smoking in the ratings out here, so it's kind of similar. Like, this film is uh, rated not many women. <laughs> uh, and then the Mako Mori test, Mako Mori test formulated by Tumblr user Chalia. Yeah, that's the uh, Chela, sorry, Chela. That's the uh, world we're living in, Brian, where things are credited on the old Wikipedia to a Tumblr user named Chela. Um, the Mako Mori test is named after the only significant female character of the 2013 film Pacific Rim. Asks whether a female character has a narrative arc that is not about supporting a man's story. Comic book writer Kelly Sue DeConnick proposed a sexy lamp test. I love this. <laughs> if... If you can, if you can replace, your, I saw this. if you can replace, if you can replace your female character with a sexy lamp, and the story still basically works, maybe you need another draft. That is very funny, and I like that. Now, just this week, Brian, this happened to me, and I love when this happens to me, and I also hate it. But sitting there, because the wife and I, obviously, she's a feminist, and. Uh, I guess, you know, when everything's said and done, so am I, you know, I just, feminist, all that means is you want equal rights for men and women. And I want equal rights for all men, women and people. And I, I just want equal rights. I, 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 but I think that I am blinded to some of my own, uh, all right, here's, here's what, what happened. happened. What happened? <laughs> A lot of, I, I, First of all, I, I like to also credit myself with uh, being the, the first to hate things because uh, I've been hating these commercials. <laughs> well done. Uh, since You're definitely not a hipster. Second week of the pandemic, uh, when the uh, slow piano and uh, these these corporations caring about you started to you know trickle in, all the rage was there, and I'm just now hearing people you know start to to connect with the the anger and the hatred of these corporations trying to claim that they're 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 there for us, which is just horseshit. However, 
a commercial came on and it was about uh, the pandemic and how we're, we're always going to be there and it's sports related, right? And I, I would say I was half watching it, but I wasn't. I was laser focused watching it. And I'm sure you've probably seen it too. You watch a lot of TV. Dude. And I was waiting and waiting for one clip of hockey to be represented and it wasn't and it was this i think it was a 60 second spot and it was every fucking sport you could imagine i think they had fucking javelin in there and uh, maybe like the hammer throw from the olympics it, hockey as far as i could tell was not in there at all and i pipe up and the wife's in the room and i say not a single shot of hockey and she goes hey you know how sometimes you kind of blow off the fact that representation is not that big a deal well you just did a and it's not even for yourself. It's for a sport that you like. Wow. And you're offended and upset wow. about it. And I'm like, and I start defending myself. No, I'm like, no, gotcha. it's because gotcha. it's like, uh, and at that, that was about four or five days ago. And it, it was a perfect week for this too, because it's, you know, Bechtel, Bechtel test week, which we've been calling Brechtel test for the, the last 10 years too, which is not wise. But uh, yeah, it, it really put things into perspective and it was like a, uh, an aha moment. It's like, she's absolutely fucking right. Like I, I know how it feels for a sport that I like. And I would have been very happy to see ho ice hockey in there. And it wasn't in the uh, the spot. And if it was a type of person that I am was never represented like that, I'd be enraged. And it, a lot of it is because I got a chip on my shoulder because my dad had a chip on his shoulder from a small town, Pittsburgh, the small town. And New York always outshined it. And he had all that going on. And that trickled down to me. And I, and I still got it to an extent, which is absurd. But... Uh, yeah. All right. So that was, I'm glad that she pointed that out and uh, I get it. And I think that the Bechtel test is far from perfect and it was created as a joke in a comic strip and it really got some traction, but why did it get traction? Because there There's is some to something to be yeah, said for it. Yeah, for sure. However, with certain movies with a very strong female protagonist, my own movie is one. It does not pass the Bechtel uh, that's test. One of, but how it's, you, you tell my ulcer rants. It's all it's it's all about female empowerment for uh, a lot of it, and uh, she is the lead character, and she is the strongest character. Uh, however, I didn't, you know, make sure I, that that's where I get concerned is if if we're gonna start jamming things in for the sake of jamming them in, and I don't think that's happening, but perhaps it is in back rooms, especially if it, you know they can prove that it's a money make. Bottom line is chicken or the egg. A lot of it is chicken or the egg, and. You know, it's mostly males who write this stuff, and it has been since the beginning. It's been predominantly rich white males who write these stories and make these movies, and just talking about movies. And then, as a result, it's white men who respond to these movies and go see them. And it's still more white young males that see movies than any other demographic. And is that because it's the white males are making them, or is it because it's just the media that white males respond to? Yeah, I, chicken or the egg syndrome. Yeah. Uh, did did it, ever, did it ever enter your mind in the writing or production of Groupers, uh, the Bechtel test? Did it ever enter into your mind? Yeah. I, I realized when I was writing it, they're like, oh, yeah, this thing's going to fail the fuck out of the Bechtel test. But that's what I'm concerned. I don't want people shoehorning it in. But if they can stop and go, wow, you know, I am writing a sexist piece here. And I haven't even thought. Because uh, my whole thing with why I love movies so much, Brian, is like, it, they're great empathy machines, as uh, as Ebert said. And I, I want to be able to walk in everyone's shoes or at least have an idea of what different people's experiences are and stories are. And the more representation, the better, as long as it's not being put in there for just uh, to, for box office reasons or for pious or, you know, so they can go, oh, look at me, look at how inclusive I am. That, that, that obviously irks me, and I think it would irk a lot of people. But... Yeah, the more representation, the better. I just, I just had this thought. God, I, w I wish you had uh, 
I wish you had only mentioned it to me at the time because it would have been amazing if, for no reason, uh, Meg in your in your movie had like you know, had had an aside where she talked like uh, for, uh, to to a friend named Bechtel. Like, hey, Bechtel, how's your day no. going? That's good. Yeah, how's actually, yours? I. I, I, it bothers me that you just brought that up because I'm, I'm doing rewrites on the uh, two scripts that I want to get out that I, I made groupers so that I can make one of these two other movies that I wrote before, just before groupers. And I actually am doing rewrites on both of them. And one of them, I just did something very sim- similar to that in one of the rewrites. I, I, the I, drafts. I have to imagine that's been done. Hey, users uh, hit me up on uh, Twitter or uh, I've never social seen media it. if it's ever in done I would, before. It's very inside baseball. It's extreme. Oh, it's extremely inside. It's almost almost like breaking the fourth wall. I would count that as breaking the fourth wall. That said, it's very you, it's, it's a very funny joke if you're making a movie like a, a a groupers where you know there's limited number of characters. I don't think it, I don't think it would have worked in groupers. I don't think the tone was right for for that one. But this other one that I'm working on, I think I could maybe get away with it. Uh, but you know, it's got to be a certain type of movie. Like it wouldn't work in like the Clovich Killer. It would just be fucking lame like it would fully pull you out of it it's got to be the right gotcha. type of movie. i gotcha um yes there are certain types of movies that anderson alluded to that i did not include on my list uh i did not put any war movies uh no prison movies or no sports movies those lend themselves to a mostly or all male cast and it would have been cheating to be like not cheating but i mean it would have just been too easy to be like oh black hawk down no female characters it's like yeah okay well it's, it's- yeah that's so your approach is similar to mine then it's not these aren't my favorite movies that fail the Bechtel test these are my most surprising or like look at this like this is why the Bechtel test isn't always perfect um or or that that great of an indicator of a movie being uh fair to to the ladies sure. that's how I went about it some of these movies on my list I do not even like I I openly dislike them but they're on my list as examples oh, yeah. and then I got uh a pretty fun uh, also ran too, including movies that I've never heard of until this test. But wait till you hear the titles and the fact that they don't pass the Bechtel. Insane. So I'm, I'm ashamed, uh, but also glad that uh, you brought the Bechtel test uh, website checker to my uh, attention. Because uh, while you were talking about the Bechtel test, I looked up all my movies. Uh, three of the five uh, meet zero of three criteria, so they completely fail the Bechtel test. Two of them meet one of the three uh, criteria, although one of them is extremely... Uh, I, I dubious. I would say that does not count. We'll get to this. My number one. We'll get to that at the end. But uh, the, these are all. All right, let's do it. Highly Bechtel. Let's leap in, and we're just gonna steamroll too because there's no ad this week. Uh, special shout out to all of our, our our listeners who are still on on Patreon because that really really helps the show and and. Uh, keeps the wife, uh, I don't want to say happy because that's not the case, but when she sees me researching hard for the film vault, which I do throughout the week, she can't give me shit because uh, right now it's it's really <laughs> uh, helping me uh, meet my end of the bargain in the, uh, the husband department. Keep, keeps so. her off your back, as it were. Mm-hmm. The Bechtel. <laughs> she, uh, so... Uh, how do we do this? How do we do this? Uh, also, a, a quick a little shout out to, uh, I'm sure that we'll be doing uh, a spot for them next week, but uh, Manscaped, uh, Brian and I both got something called the Weed Whacker, so we can, we can shove them in our <laughs> I'm nose. I'm actually and, kind and of very weirdly nice excited about that because my nose trimmer is so old that uh, I've been excited to throw it out at some point, and now I have the perfect opportunity. Very, 
very ergonomic and I, I do like the weed whacker, but I'm sure we'll be, I always like uh, sponsors who are smart enough to send us a product so we can actually talk about it lovingly, which is definitely the case with, with Manscaped, but they're not doing a read with us this week. So that was unofficial. All right, let's power through. Let's burn through these. Let's do movies that fail the Bechtel test. Next week would be smart to do movies that pass the Bechtel test. Um, but that's just gonna be good movies. And I don't think we need to do that test, uh, or, or that list. And next week I'm, really pitching hard to do top five dental scenes because I'm going to be doing the show uh, with Novocaine still in my mouth and my head because I'm having two two teeth pulled that day and possibly a crown uh, put on one another tooth like a root canal so I'm going to be on uh, the dentist for all day and then do this Are show you going to be able to uh, do the show buddy should we push it a little bit no no we'll do it we'll do it uh, Wednesday it's a, it's a full week next week we got to do two shows oh that day too, so. that's going to be a dark day it's going to be yeah it's going to be exciting so we'll be doing dental scenes next week. All right, let's get to uh, it. My number, should I just do my number five? I'm fine with starting. Sure, God. Number five for me is a movie. This is the only one that uh, is a war movie. However, there's a good reason for it, and that is The Hurt Locker, Brian. Oh. The Hurt Locker passes one of three, and here's what I found on the Bechtel test com. There are only two women with any significant screen time, wives of characters, and they never speak to each other. Uh, so it passes one of the three, which is uh, it has two women in there. And they did add that that fourth I caveat you said no uh, war movies. a few years ago. No, I did. And this is the only one. I didn't say no war mm -hmm. movies. You said that. I said I'm staying away from Careful. it. And I'm only I'm only having movies on my list that are surprising. And here's the reason why <laughs> The Hurt Locker is surprising. <laughs> you? Yeah. To an extent. Who directed? Miss Catherine San Carlos's own Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow, who won Best Director uh, for 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 the Hurt Locker? Uh, Catherine, Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow. Who was the first female? Who's the first female director to win Best Director for a movie? Catherine Bigelow for the Hurt Locker, and that movie, the first ever female direct Best Director, doesn't even pass the Bechdel test. Unbelievable. So there you go. You know what? I meant to look up a zero dark 30. I also found a lot of bogus uh, lists out there. Tons of lists and message boards where people are talking about this, bandying around and throwing around names of movies. And, you know, I, I'm not I'm not Rain Man over here. Like, I don't remember, like, every single character from every single movie. So I really leaned on the Bechteltest.com. And uh, a lot of movies that are being claimed to have failed the Bechtel test don't fail. They pass. On on the website. Very, very frustrating. Yeah. Hmm. And they, they cite examples. Like, uh, all right, here's an example. The Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid was on a lot of people's lists. And I'm like, you know what? That's a strong choice. Little Mermaid. Turns out that uh, Ursula and, uh, and the Little yeah, Mermaid. Ariel, uh, Ariel they have a conversation. Lots of conversation. Most of them are about the prince that she's obsessed no, with. No, she's negotiating a deal with her for her voice. Oh, to, yeah, but why? Why is she negotiating that right, deal? That's the What's subtext, but they're not. Hold on. I, as I understand the criteria, they're not talking about a man. They're talking about the uh, the uh, the vagaries of, of a deal they're putting together. Great. They're talking about a deal they're putting together to turn her into a human, and her sole reasoning to become a human is so she could be with a dude. So, I mean, it's it's dubious, like you said earlier. Yeah, that's a little fuzzy. I would say pass, but yeah, here we go. Yeah, it does. It does technically pass. Dad, what's your? Oh, what's your, don't um, doesn't Ariel have like eleven sisters or something? And don't they they do talk at one point? Uh, but they might not have names though. That's, mm. that, that that also made things a little bit murky That's with uh, you know clear cut. And, the, and also with the uh, with the um, 
animated films, a lot of those animals like are, are kind of genderless, like they're a little bit feminine or a little bit masculine, but they're not, you know, you can't say, oh, that's for sure a uh, female. Right. So did I offend the Go trans ahead. community? Did What's I that? offend the trans commu- community? Uh, I doubt it, Brian. Number five for me. Uh, this I will always remember as uh, being on Anderson's list of guilty pleasures, not because uh, the quality of the film. It's actually quite a good movie. Anderson uh, is ashamed uh, to like uh, stand by me because of the director, uh. Rob Reiner. Right, but th- I mean, this doesn't surprise me. Like the Sandlot doesn't surprise me because it's about a, a bunch of young boys. True. Stand by me. How from nineteen eighty six. Anderson only has yeah. uh, credited uh, only has uh, three, one, two, three, four f- uh, credited female characters. Uh, Frances Lee McCain as Mrs. Lachance. She's uh, Will Wheaton's mom, uh, and she doesn't talk much. She's uh, too uh, disturbed, I think, by the death of her son or something happened. Uh, Madeline Swift as waitress. Her only feature film credit. Jeanette Bobst as Mayor's Wife. Her only credit. Suzanne Thorpe as Fat Lady. Her only credit. And uh, I uh, was not familiar with Frances Lee McCain, at least not the name, but uh, she had a great run in the mid-80s. She was in Gremlins, Footloose, Back to the Future, and Stand By Me. You know what just occurred to me? Uh, you know how there's really not any actor or actress anymore, or at least in some circles, so you're not supposed to say actor or actress. You're just supposed to say actor across the board, right? Yep. Well, female uh, actor. I think they say actor, fema- female, actor. female actor now. Uh, what about waiter and waitress? Is that is that the same no, deal? Server. Yeah, it's the exact they're, same they're thing. servers now. Oh, so it's just yeah, server. Server. Now. So, which by the way, server so, feels more offensive. Yeah, I mean, when you really break it down and look at it. It's like servant. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know it's sex worker now. It's not, you, you, you shouldn't be saying hooker or, or any of the others. This is the only, it's, this it's, is the only one of my films on my list that barely passes uh, step one of the Bechtel test, which is more than one uh, named character. Uh, when you're naming your female characters, waitress, mayor's wife, and fat lady, I, I feel like you're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot, but I guess by the technicality, uh, it does pass. That one, that one it also is, it also is a story essentially from the point of view of a young teenage boy, right? That's fair. Or four of them. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if they're, you know, they got the, the whole, the, the, uh, <laughs> the good of the Bechtel in mind. Uh, I know I probably didn't as a young teenage boy. Number four for me, this is a movie that I openly do not like, and I'm told that I should like all the time. And that is uh princess bride. What princess a great bride, movie fails the Bechtel test. Either one of three or two of three. There's old, uh, there's the old woman who oh, yells at Princess Buttercup. Buttercup. That's right. But she's yelling to him about, about uh, Carrie Elways. However, she's booing for her, uh, booing her yeah. for having left uh, Wesley behind. Your true love so lives! passes the first two tests, but not the third test. Plus, uh, there was a lot of speculation, and I don't remember the scene well enough to know if she ever responded, and if she didn't respond to the booing and the hissing and the uh, the critiquing, uh, it's not a conversation if you're just being berated. It's just a one-sided, uh, 
you know, I, I've sermon. seen the movie many times. I own the movie on DVD. I, as I recall, there's more than one scene where she boos, but at one point she does respond like, why do you boo? Or why do you, you know, mock me or whatever she says? So they are talking back and forth, but yes, you're right. The context is, yeah, you, you, you turned your back on your true love. Mm-hmm. All right. True love. Yes. Very funny. What a loves. great movie. Got it. Number four for me. I should point out that these are all four or five star movies for me amongst my favorites. Uh, number four is a movie I, as I mentioned before, uh, own on DVD. I've probably seen this 25 times or more. Yet, strangely, only on two many. lists, Anderson. Uh, top five torture scenes and top five good movies with bad titles. Can you right. guess what it is? No. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs in 1992. Um, There are two uh, credited females in this movie, uh, neither of which has any dialogue. Linda Kay as Shocked Woman. Shocked. Uh And uh, Suzanne Celeste as Shot Woman. Woman who was shot. Uh, This is an especially odd entry, Anderson, into the uh, Bechtel uh, failure because since 1992, since this movie came out, nobody has made more strong female characters than Quentin Tarantino. That's kind of his calling card at this point. But uh, he did not come out of the gate with strong female characters, which is weird because a lot of these characters in this movie, like a couple of them could have been female, but... For whatever reason, there was just all males. And uh, are you talking about the crew? I know. I was actually more referring to like, remember Tim Ross Handler, like his undercover cop. That could have very easily been a woman. Uh, didn't, there wasn't yeah. anything masculine about the character, or uh, even the cop who tells the joke in the bathroom. Really, could have been a could have been a female. My point is, there was no reason. Right, but I yeah, I mean it's it's a heist movie about a, a, a team of dudes. So it's not Marvin surprising Marvin Nash, at all. the tortured and cop, could have been a female. That would have definitely changed the tone of the scene if Michael Madsen that might was have actually, chopping yeah. off her ear and <laughs> fucking mutilating her. But uh, yeah, that, that, that could have happened. I could see you know, the idea of it making it a girl uh, or a female when uh, writing the script and being like, ah, it might be a little too... Yeah too sadistic a little too hard it's hard enough watching that cop you know beg for his life uh but if it was a woman it might have even been harder and more sadistic anyway i don't know maybe that's maybe that's sexist of me to say i i don't fucking know but that's what I no th- it would have definitely you know changed I mean? the, it would have made the scene a lot more intense more intense than it actually was which was very intense but I, that would have changed that would have made the movie a little more i don't know misogynistic uh, or at least seen that way by a lot of people number three for me this is a movie that women love, ladies love, girls love. I have dated a number of girls uh, over the, 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 the period of my life, Brian, before I was a married man, that uh, had uh, framed pictures of uh, Aubrey uh, in her, uh, from this role. And I'm talking about her role as Holly in Breakfast at Tiffany's does not pass that really? old Bechtel test. Does not. I, I, Is it Aubrey? I, Audrey. Yeah. Audrey Aubrey. I can't, I can't Audrey. recall specifically a conversation she between do. two females. Let's do the research before uh, and figure out how to how to pronounce uh, Aubrey or Audrey's name before uh, you do the Audrey show. Audrey or the D. I always do that, but you know what? As part of my dyslexia, I I still get B's and D's. What's weird? Even on the keyboard, I do when I don't I don't look at the letters on the keyboard, but I still get B's and D's confused. Isn't that horrible? That explains why you call me real... Dahl but Brian Dryan. Yes, I do that often. All right, I think what's funny too is like uh, I got all. 
going deep uh, with the, uh, the the wishes and wants and, and inner inner uh, concerns on this one. Uh, I was telling this to the, the, the wife the other day, and I am going to get, a, I guess, a little bit political here, so uh, I, I would not be appeasing uh, what uh, Michael Jordan's uh, line was here. But uh, so I got some shit years ago. It was when I lived in the, in the house that I lived in before this one. So it was at least four years ago uh, for saying often, and I say often, and I use the T I've heard, there, I've heard it pronounced that way. And uh, a lot of people say often, I guess. I think it's, and, I think uh, it's this, like a this, 60, 40, you know, 70, 30 kind of thing. But you're not. You're, this listener was berating me, saying it sounds ridiculous. You sound uneducated. You sound stupid. So it was to the point where, like, I, ne- I every time I say often, which I say a lot, I say it often, uh, I'd, I'd think about that, which sucks. But I'd think about it, right? Until... I just let myself off the hook, just like maybe two, three months ago. I was watching uh, the old TV there, and I saw our old president uh, march out, and he was talking about how often he wears masks, and he said, "I I don't wear them very often," and I said, "All right." He says it that way. I'm, I'm back. fine with saying it the way I say. I'm fine with saying it the way. I... You know what's fun to do to the uh, the Trump haters though, is you just say, "What what good things has Trump done?" Because obviously he's done good things, and they're just they they can't think of one, or they won't even say that he's done one good thing. That's fun. That's, That's a good a time. That's a lot of uh, so yeah. Breakfast. There's a lot of Google entries here okay. for. Uh, is do you pronounce the T and often? You can. You you're more than welcome to, which I will continue to do. Uh, two out of three. It passed two out of three. There are many females without names. Most notably, uh, a librarian. Holly talks to the librarian, but it's about Paul's book. Holly also talks to Mag Wildwood, uh, Wildwood, but uh, it's about Rusty trawler and there are no other instances of dialogue between any of the females in the movie however there's a lovely racist scene uh, <laughs> like there's more than one mm-hmm. uh number breakfast at tiffany's my number three and that is a movie uh from 1961 oh i should also say hurt locker available for rental only uh princess bride is on the old disney plus disney not the best uh, bechtel uh test winner either Breakfast at Tiffany's is on, uh, you guessed it, Stars. Oh, Stars, killing it. Crushing it, Stars. Uh, number three for me, I'm digging way back to, uh, to a classic film uh, from 1948. One uh, you assigned me semi-recently, and I enjoyed quite a bit. The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. The Treasure of the Fuck Sierra yes. Madre, directed by John Huston, passes zero of the three criteria for the... Uh, it's practically a war movie, Brian. It's like men out there just struggling to survive. Well, well, you know what? what? Westerns is definitely a... Um, genre a subgenre of the uh, Bechtelis uh, films there are a lot of uh, I, I consider putting on like the good bad and the ugly I didn't want to go through the whole shit of, of looking but uh, I enjoyed this movie more and IMDB lists just two Anderson female characters both uncredited uh, Jacqueline Dahlia as flashy girl and Angela Rodriguez as Howard's pretty assistant uh, both, like I said, are uncredited uh-huh. until the uh, in the actual film. Uh, Dahlia had been acting for a decade and would continue off and on until 1972. So she had a good run. Uh, Rodriguez, it was only her second film. She would go on, Anderson, to have 107 entries on IMDb, uh, most of those uncredited. I imagine she was either a background actress or uh, an actor of, uh, I think she was in a lot of um, Spanish language movies. Uh, 107 entries uh, from then up until 1983. Mm-hmm. So both went on, both right, went Brian, on had well, long careers, even though they didn't have uh, prominent roles in the treasure of the Sierra Madre. 
I'm glad we're doing this different ways. You're going with movies that you think are actually good, but they still fail the Bechtel test, whereas I, uh, you had some criteria and some limitations with the, uh, the no war movies, no sports movies. No prison movies. Uh, however, you could... No prison movies, yes, but there are female prison movies. Uh, there are some female sports movies. This is all true. Bend it like Beckham. <laughs> all right, but... Um, I, yeah, I, I, whereas I'm going with movies that you'd be surprised to learn. All right. Took a quick little uh, breather there, which uh, you will never even notice, listeners, because uh, editing. And I was able to just snip cut. But during that little lull, uh, Brian and I were talking about uh, uh, Tarantino, amongst other things, and how he's illiterate, practically illiterate. And did you know this, Brian? I just learned this. Uh, old Speely... Mr. Steven Spielberg, he also has uh, extreme, or he's got the uh, dyslexia. So it makes sense that a lot of these visual, very visual people uh, have a hard time with the written word. I, I guess they compensate, you know? That's interesting. Uh, they, uh, they're, they're, and, and verbal people, too. Like, um, you know, Tarantino obviously can, can, can write. He has the ability to write incredible dialogue, but I think he hears it in his head. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, a, it's a splitting of hairs, but we're kind of saying the same thing. Well, I didn't realize we were ever trying to say anything differently. I was just pointing out a couple uh, interesting I'm facts. I'm trying to say the same thing as and you. And then you had to. Uh, but yeah, it, when I heard that, I actually heard it from Whoopi Goldberg on uh, on the Stern show a week or two ago. And uh, I didn't, I never knew that about Steven Spielberg, fellow classmate of mine. And uh, it made me uh, it made me like him all that much more. It made me uh, kind of feel for him. I had like a, a momentary kinship there with him for a second. I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't know. This is a real bitch, Brian. It's a bitch. I mean, you hear it when I'm trying to read my notes and read things. You know, oh, it's, it's just painful. It's awful. It's it, I, dude, and, and I and I'm noticing it now more than I have in years because I read to Atticus most nights, and my my wife who loves to twist the knife, she'll point it out and kind of I'll hear her snicker and giggle every time I uh, mispronounce you know a word in a kid's book, which happens more often than not. It just sucks. <laughs> it sucks. The the dog got the bow to ball, Anderson. It'd be one thing if I could draw really good, but I can't draw either, you know? Uh, but I am a very, very visual person, and when I'm writing my movies, I actually, I absolutely see them. And I was shocked to learn not that long ago that most people, most writers, they don't see the scenes playing out. They they hear the words or whatever, but they don't actually see it. They don't, they don't see it all unfolding, and that's definitely the way that movies and, and, and stories work in my brain. So hopefully that, that you know, I'm compensating in the right direction. All right. All right. Number, number, number two uh, for you? Two for me. Number two for me. Okay. Uh, the original girl with the dragon tattoo passes the Bechtel, but uh, the remake, the uh, uh, Nazi kitty version that we all saw in 2011 does not really? pass the Bechtel test. One of three. There are several named women in the movie other than the title character. None of the named women talk to each other. As far as any talking between women, uh, Lisbeth Salander speaks with a woman she sleeps with and with a female archivist, but as neither is named in the movie, it doesn't pass the test. Interesting. See, that's with the, uh, with the new criteria. So I love the idea that I don't. I don't know if love is the right word, but I, I like to point out the fact that certain movies that are very female centric, and I am woman, hear me roar, uh, such as the uh, the the girl with the dragon tattoo, do not pass the uh, the old. Yeah, this so is like like we said earlier. This is my this is test. my example from earlier, like Alien, where it's a technicality. It's like, yeah, okay, that's fine, but like 
this is a very strong female uh, lead character. Yeah. So they, once again, you know, this all was born out of a um, essentially a one-liner in a obscure comic strip, and I didn't find in my research how it kind of came into the mainstream. I was going to say how to I'm catch sure on. There's a story there too. You know, I imagine social media, but you, you, you'd imagine that you, that there's like an origin story, and if somebody really dug, and I didn't find that in any of my research, and I read a number. Or I should say skimmed a number of art <laughs> articles and uh, pieces about it. And I, uh, you know, I, I just have a problem with people that come off as victims and, and whining and bitching. While I totally agree, and I've already said it, that there should be more representation, my bottom line is I just want good movies. And if movies are going to uh, have to, you know, squeeze things in that don't fit, like, you know, square peg, round hole, just to, you know, pass a, uh, a fucking test then I'm totally against it. But uh, I'm saying two things at once here. I, I just don't like the uh, the victimhood that, that I read. And a lot of the articles that I was trying to read and, and to learn about it, uh, it was just like angry. And I just, I, I think what it is, is I see my dad and I remember my dad having the chip on his shoulder and being, you know, like everyone's against him. And it's like, I just, I get, I get hung up. All right. So all that being said, I don't, I never learned the actual origin of how that comic strip came into the, uh, into the, uh, the, the the zeitgeist, as it were. Yeah, yeah, I don't know either. I I, I imagine just one of those viral things just caught fire. You know, it happens, but rarely. Number two for me. But uh, David 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 Fincher is uh, is uh, a, a guy who who likes to fail the Bechtel test, and like he even took a movie that already existed in the past and he uh, reworked it so that it failed. That's so funny. Uh, that's that's your I wonder, David Fincher. Does Fight Club yeah. does Seven. Fight Club pass the uh, Bechtel test? I don't think it does. Could be wrong. I'll look it up while you're doing your next one. But I do. Did you? So you, I, did you search around that uh, Bechtel test site, and did you see any uh, place where you can? Uh, no, I didn't see a search can, function. Uh, no. There's not a search function. It's it's unbelievable. Google works, but that's a bit of a right. back backdoor channel. It's a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Number two for me, right, a film that just came up a couple of weeks ago on uh, top five movies. That uh, you don't need to see in a theater. Oh, man, did I delete? Did I accidentally delete that? I think I deleted that. Oh, yeah, no, there it is. Movies you don't need a theater. And also, way back in the day, top five cameos uh, for Glengarry Glen Ross. 1992's Glengarry Glen Ross, directed by James Foley, written, of course, by David Mamet. We mentioned him uh, quite a bit in those movies that don't need a theater. This is one of them. Uh, there's only one credited female character, Anderson. Her name is Laura, uh, her, uh, the actress Lori Tan Chin plays Coat Check Girl. I'm assuming she's a girl who works at a coat check. Uh, Chin, by the way, uh, still acting. She was in 27 episodes of Orange is the New Black, which I know you watch, so you probably knew who she is. She's also Grandma in Aquafina is Nora from Queens. So she's still around after uh, doing very little in uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. I mean, obviously it fails because it's just, it's a it's a room filled with David Mamet characters. I mean, well, the, the action does take place outside of the room, hence the coat check girl. But uh, yes, it largely takes place inside the office. Glenn Ross does. Fight Club, Fight Club, uh, shockingly, does not pass. What uh, has only one main 
only one main female character, Maria Helen Bottom Carter. Uh, other female characters appear briefly to address various self-help groups. No one-on-one conversations. No, but I that's mean, not that's true. A movie there, there's, that's, there, there's the one character. One of my favorite lines from the movie uh, is the is the female who's dying from uh, cancer, and she's talking to the support group, and she said they they say uh, uh, the narrator says uh, she looks like someone's skeleton, Joan Rivers' skeleton, if you made it dress up and act nice at a party. So she's obviously a named character. Okay. Well, the point was there's other women in the movie, but uh, they they just address various self-help groups. Ah. No one-on-one conversations. Sure, makes sense. But, I mean, the whole the whole, the whole movie is about in, inside of a, a male angsty mind. So you know, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying, like, I, there's certain movies that shouldn't be – shouldn't pass the Bechdel test because that's what they are. This is almost – it's almost like uh, – and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but it's almost like, uh, you know – punishing a horror movie for having a bunch of slasher elements when like that's what it is like fight club is almost a genre bro movie it's like a it's like a movie made for bros and frat dudes, I'm with you right i disagree with that yeah. but I, right. I understand what you're saying shockingly hustlers did not pass that's impossible i kid <laughs> i was actually thinking about it <laughs> little women I was thinking about it like that there's no little women possible. My number one is Little Women. Uh, I, you, you can't believe it, but it that actually fails. That is difficult to, to that believe. That is not true. My number one, Brian, and this has been made, I think, four times, at least three. I'm thinking four, and I'd have to imagine if the 2019 version doesn't pass the Bechdel test, uh, Star is Born, then the ones that preceded it do not either. Uh, two out of the three for A Star is Born. They, they hit two out of the three Bechdel test. Gail and Allie briefly talk about how Jackson is excited that Allie is there. Wow. Thus Mark is... making part of the conversation about the main male character. That's surprising. And really what A Star is Born is all about is her taking the gauntlet and her taking you know charge of her life and finding her confidence and finding her feet and trying her best to save him but failing but she is the altruistic character and the lead character and the strong character uh the, the closest thing we have to a to a hero in the movie and it fails the Bechtel test so that's how i went about my uh, my list this week where movies that you'd probably at first glance assume they pass but when you actually dig deep you find the chinks in the armor of that old Bechtel test i don't test. think you can say that i just said chinks in the you armor brian that. I said it twice. Number one for me. Interesting. I would never have, yeah, I would not have assumed at all that that movie doesn't pass the Bechdel test. But and especially, it feels like another one of those technicalities where it's like, yeah, that's a really strong female character at the at the top of the movie. But what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought it'd be more interesting to kind of just do it that way and look at movies that you you'd think that you're surprised, you're shocked. That, no. is, that, that is a nice way to go. I'm glad you did that. Number one for me, actually, it might fall into that category. I was surprised, uh, but it makes sense in, in retrospect. Uh, going all the way back to 1940, a classic, 100% of Rotten Tomatoes for Pinocchio. Pinocchio, Anderson, does not pass the Bechdel test. This is the one that I found very dubious when I entered it into the Bechdel test website that you told me about, because... As far as I'm concerned, there's one female speaking role. That's of the uh, Blue Fairy, played by Evelyn Venable. Mm-hmm. But uh, they claim that Cleo, Cleo the uh, fish, counts as a female character, and her bubble blowing. I, I, I find that 
uh, tenuous at best. But uh, that said, uh, one speaking role, Evelyn Venable as Blue Fairy and Anderson, she wasn't even credited. Now, granted, none of the voice actors were credited, but still, uh, they had uh, no, no, no voice credits at the top of the movie. So the one speaking role in Pinocchio went uncredited. Uh, did you know that Venable had a, a short career? She only made two more features after Pinocchio, uh, but she was in Death Takes a Holiday, which is the original version of Meet Joe Black. Uh, she married Oscar-winning photographer, cinematographer, excuse me, Hal Moore. She had two kids. She retired. She moved, they moved to Brentwood. Uh, she earned a master's degree at UCLA. She taught drama well, at UCLA. Why am I here? I'm telling you fun this? facts. Now I'll start over again. I'll, Is now this I'll start fun? Over again. She earned a master's degree Please at UCLA. She taught drama at UCLA for decades, and she died in 1993. Mm-hmm. Fun. Fun. Fun facts. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Now you can say you know a lot about Evelyn. Yeah, a lot Bell. of those Disney. I won't say that ever. I like a lot of like Bambi fails. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, br- brother bear, brother bear fails, brother bear the forgotten Disney movie. Uh, does Peter Pan fail? Uh, no, because so. the mother yeah. talks to Wendy uh, early in the movie. But after that, no. All right. Well then, that makes it uh, that makes it not fail. All right, uh, listener list. We went on to the old listener list over there. Please. Listener list uh, number five. Oh, look at this. I should have known. Fight Club, uh, with uh, a little over three percent of the uh, the overall vote, fifteen percent of the top five. Uh, Fight Club says the listeners. Number four is Predator. Uh, number three is Shawshank Redemption. Eh, what are you gonna do? This one was shocking and almost made my list. But Loader, Lord of the Rings, the entire thir- thirty hour. I think it's thirty hours in total. Thirty plus, uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings, thirty plus hours maybe. Uh, no, uh, no Bechtel test. Uh, winning there well that's 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 very shocking to me because there's a lot of females shouldn't say a lot but there are females in there and uh, i remember Liv tyler very well surprising and uh it's shocking that all those hours then they, they couldn't uh squeeze one in. and then star wars i think it's empire strikes back which is the 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 main one but they're making up for lost ground yeah, there are. by uh you know with the with their new characters so Star Wars is uh, number one with 6.2% of the overall and 27% of the top five, says the listeners. Now, I have some fun also rants, Brian, that I would like to uh, share with you and the listeners. Do you got any also rants there? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I have, I have a ton, actually. Um, a lot of them fall under the category of war movies or prison movies or uh, uh, what are sports movies. But uh, give, me, give me some of yours. If, or do you want to hear some of mine first? Yeah, just give me yours. Uh, Moon does not pass the Bechtel test. Uh, 12 Angry Men. Makes sense. There's one character in the whole fucking movie. 12 Angry Men, of course, does not pass the Bechtel test. Um, Uh, Makes sense. It's right there in the title. uh, The Longest Yard. uh, Duel. Um, Sports movie that takes place in prison. I mean, sports and prison. I thought I got around it on on technicality. Uh, Let's Mm -hmm. see here. What else? I got all the. Master and Commander. Is that a war movie? I guess it technically is, right? It's technically mm-hmm. a war movie. I mean, they're, Good, bad, they're, and the ugly. Like see, and they're warring before. with cannons. Groupers, uh, yeah, we should I mean, all uh, throw yeah. our... Uh, uh, see, groupers is notable because uh, it's got the uh, it's got the strong female character, and uh, you know it, it fails. And I didn't it didn't occur to me until I was probably well into making. It. I'm like, oh my god, this fucking thing fails. A I really thought test. Locke would be on your. Yeah, list. What are you gonna do? She's distressed. 
I mean, I love that movie, but it's not shocking. It's one man in a car. Of course it fails. I mean, at first glance, it failed. The thing, of yes. course, uh, does what, what is it? Wait, you know what? You know how it couldn't have failed? How it couldn't have failed is if he conferenced in his mistress, who was in labor, with his wife and had them talk about something other than him, which would be a big rewrite. Yeah. It'd be a very large feel rewrite. Just, difficult feel distracting. It would feel, it would, it would feel like disingenuous. Is, uh, not true I'd, to the I'd tone of the feel. film. The thing, of course, uh, <laughs> the thing does not pass, and uh, took everything I had. Of course, shockingly, took everything I had, Anderson, not to include all is lost. All of all lost. All is lost. Oh, all is lost. Yeah. Why? Why? These are all very obvious. Of course, they don't. But they're good movies. So they, I, yeah. I'm, I'm getting angry with you because you didn't use the same criteria, whereas I, I, moments ago I said I'm glad we both did uh, separate uh, criteria. However, it, I think deep down it really bothers me that you were so obvious with yours. Yeah. Right. Notable movies that uh, failed the Bechtel test, Brian. This is more of a, your style list. Both Toy Story 1 and 2 really? fail. They fix that in, uh, in 3, but 1 and 2, they uh, fail. Finding Nemo, not that shocking, but... It fails, and it's a sweet movie that a lot of the ladies like. Uh, but you know, it's about a it's about a man and his son, a father and son, essentially. The Godfather, the entire uh, movie, which I think is you know upwards of three hours. No, uh, no, that, that's not. You, know, you, don't, you don't have any ladies in there. Uh, definitely, it, it, it Kay fails, Adams talks to uh, talks to um, the Connie Corleone at one point. I think she tries to calm her down. I don't think they're talking about a man. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Everyone's hold on. Let, Everyone let, me, relax. Uh, let me give you. Here you go. Godfather failed. The movie passed two out of three tests. Comments. This is from uh, uh, contributor William Meyer. At the end of the film, Kay and Connie talk about the murder of Sonny by Carlo's betrayal. Yeah, I guess that's technically talk, uh, they're talking about a dead there. man, but that's true. Yeah. And Carlo. Outrageous. Well, then they are talking about a man. Or two men, William. I agree, Jason. This passes two at two. Uh, uh, one and three or two, two to two. All right, whatever. But yeah, it fails. Which, you know, there's a lot of uh, characters going on there. And uh, I, was, I was a little bit surprised. Goodfellas, I always think that they're talking about other things. And there is kind of some background talk. But I think most of that is them talking about the, uh, the men in their lives. Karen. No, Goodfellas. Uh, are they always talking about men? At one point, at one I love point this. I love about, when you're like, no, no. And then at one point they're talking about their son. The two girls talking about their son. But I guess that's technically a man. That's a, that's a man. Yeah. Uh, uh. Let me see. Goodfellas. I'm, I'm looking it up on the old Bechtel. Oh, it says it passes. Woo! It says it passes. Okay. Karen does discuss Florida with Rosie. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. Is one scene, but is a brief scene. Yes. Gonna go to Florida. Karen. Uh, hostess party. They talked about a bunch of topics that wasn't just men, but that's like a mon. That's a, that's like a really quick just pan. And she's voing the whole thing. Karen, as well. Karen, we're gonna do top five Karens coming up good. soon. I love Brian. Well, then we. I guess we have to do top five Brads as well, right? What is a Brad? All right. Brad characters, the type of character. I, I don't know what that is. Now maybe we're talking about two completely different things, but. Karen is a type of yes, woman. Yes, it is. That's right. Like the the woman in the in the uh, in Central Park yes. who uh, <laughs> called the police because the black man was attacking her when he <laughs> clearly wasn't, right. and she was strangling her dog. <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with the people? God, I hate humans. I really I do. Like human beings. Right. 
Uh, I get it. I get it, Dr. Heider. Uh, here are four that blew my mind. I've not seen any of these, and I haven't heard of uh, two of them. Uh, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. It fails the, the Bechtel. Guess it's not that shocking, but still. Come on, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. Uh, how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. That's like a rom-com with women at the center. It fails. Wow. 2003. Here's one that I've never heard of. 1976, it came out. Revenge of the Cheerleaders. Apparently, those cheerleaders, there were multiple women, so I imagine it passed uh, that part. But uh, I guess they never talked with one another that about anything that didn't involve a dude. Oh, yeah, you didn't know that? A dick at the center. Revenge of the Cheerleaders? <laughs> finally, finally, here comes one. This one's amazing. 1939, there was a movie called The Women. No. <laughs> it was called The Women. And it fails the Bechdel oh, no. test, this and it's called the, the women, days. Brian. Oh, they were pretty sweet days when I when I see things like that. It tickled my fans. All right, uh, what are we doing here? What, what, what's up? Uh, we're gonna, we're we gonna gamble, right? Or did we do the listener top five? We yeah, top five. Yeah, I did the listener top five. Come on, pay attention, Brian. Keep up. Uh, let me come up. Uh, I'll let you know what happened with gambling last what? week. Uh, I know you won. So what? I did. Oh, I, I didn't know if you had the results. The question was, have you seen Galaxy Quest? Uh, 82% of you have wisely seen Galaxy Quest. Only 18% of you have not seen Galaxy Quest. I uh, guess 75% of you had seen it, and Brian said 78, making Brian the winner. So which, uh, which documentary am I going to see? <laughs> How dare you? Or better yet, which... Uh, Music documentary? Am I you. going to see? Uh, right. uh, uh, Blockers is on my list, by the way. No, that's just Brian. Stop shoving Brian type movies down my throat. Why don't we both like dig into like an old, another old classic movie okay. together? I can. I'll do Come some on. research. I was gonna. What I was gonna say is, at some point, you know, one of the one of the, especially this time of year in the last few months, one of the. Um, things we're depriving ourselves of Anderson and the listeners is, is we, usually we mm. see the, you know, the big new movie of the week that comes out in theaters, obviously that hasn't been the case in the last few months. Uh, usually this time of year, springtime up until now, um, we get treated to some bad movies, some very bad movies. And it is kind of, it is kind of cathartic, I guess, in a way to be able to tick our team to do a bad movie. So do you want to see? Do, yeah. Well, but you know what? We, we don't do that very often, actually. We're, we're often, we're actually, uh, we're pretty lucky nowadays to be able to avoid. First of all, there's not nearly as many bad movies as there used to be, and secondly, uh, we we usually choose pretty wisely. It's it's rare that I see a bad movie, even though there are you know a, a ton that are released uh, in January. It's kind of the dumping ground, and September is the second uh, part of that dumping ground right after the uh, the summer season is over. However. Before the shutdown, uh, you know, through mid-March, I had seen a number of really quality movies this year in 2020. And obviously all that is paused. I don't know if people realize just how many movies are being withheld and held at bay. Uh, we did our summer preview a few weeks ago. and we, we talked about new release dates and whatnot, and things are all still up in the air. But, I mean, it's been pretty much like they're barely releasing things. They're releasing the movies that we're gonna planning on going to, uh, to, to TVOD anyways, Transactional Video On Demand. So uh, this weekend, though, is a little bit different because uh, there is a big movie that is, as far as I know, is still being released, um, video on demand, I guess, and that is The Green Knight, which I am very, very excited what about. Is the, I don't know what that uh, is. Which is a, it's a David Lowry movie, and uh, David Lowry made uh, a, a couple movies that uh, you might like, 
and one of uh, one of which was Pete's Dragon Brain, which you enjoyed. He also did uh, Ain't Them Body Saints and The Old Man and the Gun. But most importantly, he made a movie called oh, A Ghost yes. Story. This is a very eclectic director who's got vision, and uh, he makes uh, he makes the movie he wants to make. And I, I, you get the sense that he sits down and he has an idea of what he wants it to be, and he comes pretty close to hitting that mark. You get you get that idea with his movies, and he's got a new one coming out. Which the trailer makes it look like a really good one. Uh, and it's the Green Knight based on a, an old folklore story and starring uh, Dev Patel and Alicia Vikander and Joel Edgerton. The trailer makes it look fantastic. Uh, and it's supposed to be released this today, I guess, as, as this is released. So I don't know. So we'll, we, well, let's reconvene then on the movie I'm assigning you because we'll talk more about that. But uh, I, I, I'll plant the seed because I... I have a bizarre, I, I kind of, <laughs> I am fascinated with um, Billionaire Boys Club, which is a star, which is a, a, a pretty notable cast, uh, but uh, got buried with the uh, Kevin Spacey allegations and uh, his whole thing. So he's in the movie, uh, Aaron Edgerton, um, Ansel Elgort. Like it's a, it's, it's a, it's a notable cast of, of characters and a, like a true story that's very well known. Uh, but the movie I think got released in like 10 theaters or, or did some abysmal amount of business, like, like a thousand dollars or something. It's incredible. I want to know if it's really that bad or if it's just like blowback on the Kevin Spacey thing. Do you have any, do you have any curiosity in billionaire boys club? No. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I read about this one uh, when it was released, and uh, apparently it was it was kind of like a happy accident that that, that it didn't get released. Yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure something out to a second. <laughs> I, I'm still I'm still fascinated. And uh, here's an update. I'm looking at the most recent uh, information I could find, and now it's saying that uh, there is no release date for The Green Knight. So, which I'm honestly I'm I'm happy with because that's that is a movie. Capone, I did not have any interest in seeing at home and 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 paying money uh, for a, a at home experience with uh, Tom Hardy playing an old befuddled, uh, losing his mind cheese that slipped off the cracker uh, Al Capone. Uh, however, the Green Knight, I would have paid probably twenty bucks to see it uh, Friday or Saturday, and I'd much rather see it in the theater. So if if we got to wait a few months for something like the Green Knight, I am all for that. Uh, it's tough. It's really really tough right now doing the the gambling. So, so that's it. Uh, by the movie. way, I should tell you that uh, Billionaire Boys Club did earn $2.7 million worldwide, but in the U.S., uh, excuse me, North America, just uh, $1,349. Why, why are you interested in this movie? Just because it would have been your style movie, but then it got shelved because of the uh, allegations? No, I, I, wanted, I want to know one of two things. First of all, it's a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. I want to know if, if it's really that bad, like, like, is this one of the worst movies ever made or is this just blowback on the Kevin Spacey thing, which is totally understandable, but also kind of lame. Even uh, if Kevin Spacey was clean as a whistle and nothing happened, I would have had zero interest in seeing this movie. None. Really? None. See, that's my thing. It's like, if it was someone else other than Kevin Spacey, would this movie be 50%, 60%? I don't, I, I, I really don't know. All right, what are we gambling on this week, Brian? And then we can uh, put everything. Oh, I had an idea. I had an idea. Yes. What is it? Uh, how much? Please. What percentage of our audience has seen all ten episodes of The Last Dance? Ugh, that's so generic. What's, what's generic about that? 
Because it's like, it'd be like saying who's seen Tiger King. I, got, I really don't give a fuck. You know, I, I'm sure I'm assuming it's high on both accounts. You know what? I'm going to, you know, I've got someone to assign you. I'm going to assign you episode seven of The Last Dance. I'm not doing that. And that's not a movie. And you can't do that. That's that's in the bylaws as uh, you're you're going against the spirit of the of this challenge. You tried to assign me uh, The Wire season one. Yeah. Well, I give you a choice, right? That's right. I went with uh, I think I went with uh, something horrible like Martyrs or something. Uh, it could have been uh, could have been <laughs> it wasn't a Serbian film it was something else yeah I forget what it was too it was good though I, I'm, nothing's really I mean we can do that fine I mean since you had the idea uh, I'm, I'm fine with doing that uh, I just I, I'm, I'm not stoked about it but have you seen uh, The Last Dance isn't no, that the name of the Sharon episodes. Stone? Because a lot, a lot of, a lot of people tuned in for the first one or two but uh, I want to know who's completed the series Hey, Brian, I got a serious question for you. What's up? How do you not love ballers? Uh, is that the uh, Dwayne Johnson uh, yeah. series? I know nothing about it. Never seen an episode. I've seen plenty of billboards either, and he, a, a couple clips. Every time I, I no every, yeah, it's all about sports and uh, big money. And, and, and it's just, it's just got Brian written all over it. Why? Because you like that kind of shit. Like quality entertainment? Like generic bro shit that's jammed oh, down your throat. Oh, are, you, you are you associating the last dance with that? No. Um, Sounds like just you are. saying why have you not partaken in, in We can ballers. also do have you seen the odd couple? Nah. Nah. There's really nothing good to do here. Fuck. Fuck. Mm. All right. Um Let's do it. Have you seen the last dance? All right, let's do it. You ready? Mm. Yes. Okay. All right. One, two, 37. 57. Oh, my. All right. <clears throat> I mean, it's, a, it's an ESPN documentary, and I know that we skew heavy uh, males. But uh, it's it's a huge commitment, ten hours, and uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, I don't know. So that will be yeah, might, the, might, have, might have shot too high. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Oh, we will see. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. With once again, a, a too long of an episode. We need to uh, slow down with these, or we need to speed up with these. I should say. Absurd, absurd, absurd. That's Timmy failure. Mistakes were made. Absurd. <laughs> I love that kid. I love it. Hey, you know what we need to bring back and do another episode on soon? I'm starting to collect them. Our um, favorite quotes, or the way I'm approaching it, are movies that I quote every day. And what's crazy, Brian, is some of them are so deep, deeply a part of me that I don't even realize that they're from movies. Like, I was doing one today, and I was saying it to Atticus over and over again. I won't burn it here. But I'm like, oh, my God, that's from a movie. Like, I've made it my own. But, like, that is, that is that's that's from a movie. And I say it all the time. So start collecting uh, some I, of those. You and, I are on the, you and I are on the same page. I've been keeping a list. I have nine new quotes that, again, some of them, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's for a movie, isn't it? It's just something I say every day. So yeah, I'm I think a lot of us maybe do that's that. Our, maybe that's our Patreon this month. No, our Patreon this month is fan-fucking-tastic. I'm glad you bring it up. I already pitched it to you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much just demanding that, that we do it. It came up on Reddit, and I'll give uh, credit where, where credit's due once uh, we actually do it. Uh, but it's... 
you know all these remakes and reboots that they were doing before you know that they always do and they're going to continue to do and sequels what if instead of that what if they get to a point and i could see this actually happening where they start instead of reboots they tell the same story but from a different point of view a different character's point of view and i could absolutely see this happening and there's a lot of fun uh to be had there so that's what we're doing for Patreon. Uh, June's Patreon episode is going to be top five movies you'd like to see from another character's perspective. Why don't we do that for a regular episode? Because it's a nice, that's a, fat, that's juicy. a solid topic. I, I agree. All right, because I don't want to do whatever you, it was you just said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the uh, the quotes. I'm not. I'm, I don't have five yet. All right. Well, let me know when you do. Because uh, all right, I'm ready. Let's keep rocking. Let's go. You can, you can you can borrow one or two of mine. Okay. No. Go. Do the quotes. Do the uh, do the, the credits. Let's go. Thank you very much to David Mendoza. His uh, that is the uh, person, right? David, yes, there it is. That is a uh, very good, uh, very solid. Uh, you see the quote. Art. See the very apt quote. Very apt. Very apt. That's pretty good. That's not bad. It's great. It's uh, a hacksaw ridge. It's uh, it's 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 a it's a pretty good one. It's one of my favorites. Recent member. Uh, it's solid. Uh, David, thank you for sending that in. Andersonandbrian.com is where you go uh, to check that out. Also, our feature artists this week are the Lamonts and the Maladies of Adam Stokes. Uh, check us out on Patreon. We've talked enough about it, but there's a lot of good stuff up there. Patreon.com. Uh, look for the film Vault. Uh, the Amazon banner resides atop AndersonandBrian.com. So if you're doing your shopping, your grocery shopping, or whatever shopping, uh, click through and uh, cost you absolutely nothing. Additional. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, the Film Vault, uh, Instagram. Check it out. Anderson and Brian. A lot of good stuff going on over there at Anderson and Brian. Thanks, Geo. Thanks, uh, Jordan Wolf. Thanks, Mitch Burns. Thanks, Mike Cole, uh, for all your help this week. We appreciate you guys. Great work as always. And until next time. We do it for Van Gogh!